Science. Welcome to Probably Science. I am Andy Wood. Hey, Andy. And that's the voice of Matt Kirshen. Yes, it is. And to my left is uh, Jesse Case. Hey, right-hand man, Matt Kirshen. Because you're you. to my... I am your right-hand man <laughs> right oh. now. That's okay. exactly where sure. I am. Left-hand man, works. Andy Wood. Uh, how's it going, guys? Good. It's a beautiful, crisp... Uh, November evening here. You think it's crisp? <laughs> I would call it crisp. It's kind of cold. Crisp. I mean, what does crisp mean to you? Is crisp the opposite of soggy? Like when it comes to weather? I mean, you know what I mean. Would would you? I, I guess. I guess crisp also like conjures up. Uh, y- yes, because it also reminds like I it, uh, dry leaves underfoot. I think like of. That's, I'll always think of apples with the word crisp and crisp like apples. a hardened. Honey, you know, honey crisp apple, but well, and then apple crisp. The dessert is actually quite soggy. Uh, That's a good point. That's the least crisp least way to serve an apple. It's <laughs> they 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 soggy up that apple to give you apple crisp. Clammy. Where does clammy fall in, guys? Clammy is definitely the, on the opposite end of the crisp spectrum from crisp. Clammy's closer to soggy. What about dank? See, I feel like dank is even beyond soggy. <laughs> okay. Dank is like day before a hurricane. <laughs> Welcome to Probably Adjectives. <laughs> I'm Matt Kirshen, joined by uh, Andy Wood and Jesse Case. We've got a guest. Yeah, we've we got a, Hello. This is a rare occasion when we have somebody who is both a comedian and yes. an actual scientist with a PhD. Yep. It is it is doctor, if we may call you that, Tim Lee. Yeah, you can call me that if you'd like. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever make... I like, like that in bed, generally. Do you ever make MCs do that, just to like give it a little more credence? No, people aren't a- no anxious to hear a doctor <laughs> talk, no. Can we you not skip it? over the fact that you said you like that in bed? Explain, elaborate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like to be called Dr. Lee, yes. Okay, yeah, you want to like, go through four plus years of a PhD yeah, to... I wish it was n- only four, yes. Not be addressed by your full title? Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Spent a long time. How long did you spend in total on your PhD? Oh, just shy of seven years, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. it was like my high school. <laughs> um, yeah. And that was in... What Davis, area? Ecology and Evolution. Ecology and Evolution, yeah. excellent. Yeah, so I spent a long time. I was studying uh, anadromous fishes, for the most part. And studying mod- what? Anadromous fishes? Anadromous fishes? Anadromous yeah, fishes. So you can say fishes, Fishes, yes, for That's different proper? species. Okay, yeah. got it. Yep. Got it. It's like, it's like already peoples, learning, right? Yeah, the various oh, yeah. peoples of the. Yeah. Is that the difference <laughs> when you would say peoples versus? I think it would have to mean like different groups of people. Each of those being a people. Yes, like all these peoples of the. That makes sense. Of the Americas. Is it ever sheep's? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe if you've got different breeds. Like, Again, like you know, you got like sheep. Ten uh, look at those black sheeps. sheep and ten white sheep. I was about to say yeah. it's like dogs, but no, that's actually the. I say that because <laughs> <laughs> what if dog was like fish? <laughs> like you know the two types of sheep, black and white, as yeah. right. as described yeah. in the nursery rhyme. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. As as is the case in my family. Um, so so anadromous. So, yeah, anadromous fishes. What is that? Those are fish that have life cycle in both fresh and salt water. Oh, so they start in one and end in the other. Yeah, like salmon. You know, they start in uh, start and end in fresh water, but they spend most of their life in salt water. What yeah, are it's you a difficult about? transition to make. That's why they come back upstream to spawn. Yeah, I I know there's a bunch of upstreamage happening with salmon. I didn't know there was a whole salt bit in the middle. Oh, yeah. you did not. No. no, yeah, that's they spend most. That's where they gain all their weight is out in the open ocean. Yeah, Wa- so all that water weight from the salt. Yeah, it's just there's yeah a huge. I mean. 
salmon gain all of their weight in the open ocean. And then when they come upstream, for the most part, they don't eat. So they have to have fat in their body to make uh, that upstream journey. Is it? Yeah. The miles, yeah. Here's my wow. stupid thing. I don't know. Is it so only the males that are doing that, and then the females? How does it? Both work? of them have to come up. Yeah, the, the males come up and fertilize the reds. They, they, if you want to know, they they dig for the most part. It depends on the salmon species, but they dig something called a red, which would be like a nest, except it's underwater. Okay, they need gravel. Which reds is spe- just R E D. Uh, I'm not real good with spelling, but I think it's R E D D. Okay, two, two D's. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, they'll dig out a little nest in the gravel. They'll put the eggs there, and then the male will come by and fertilize the eggs, and they'll cover them up. And then those that's it. They die. They never make the it back. They die. don't even try to get back to saltwater. They're just done. Some, I believe some Atlantic salmon are able to get back to the saltwater, but for the most part, salmon die. They breed, and then they die. Yeah. Wow. Some will perish. It's just a one-shot deal. Yeah. It's like you, plants. You studied, they breed and die. Yeah. You studied all types of fish that do that? Like how many different kinds of... There's a lot of fish in Northern California. The reason that it was of interest is because in Northern California, as we're all realizing now, that California, there's a lot of um, competition for water. I mean, all different kinds of interests want it. Farmers want it for sure. their food. Um, and then the power companies want it to, to send through the dams. And uh, wildlife needs it. And people want it for drinking. So We don't the, need it, though. What's that? We don't need it, though. Oh, just yeah, the wildlife we need, needs it. Yeah. But we just we'll want to drink. I just like drinking water. Yeah. Just to People the want it for all different kinds of things. Most of the water Cut in California is... I'm, a, is, I'm yeah. a bit of an addict. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the water in California goes to the farmers. It's, I believe, last time I checked, it was like 80%. So doesn't some ludicrous proportion of the water in California go to almond manufacture? Central or Valley, uh, uh, yeah, that's that. one of the many crops. We also have rice growing in, near the Sacramento mm. River. That's a very uh, it takes a lot of water intensive crop, but um, yeah. So most of it goes to most of it goes to farmers, and most of it goes as subsidized water. Mm. So they can't they don't make their money really from growing crops. If they had to pay market value for the cro- for the water, they wouldn't be able to make money. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the, uh, you want to go way back to the 1800s when all these laws came into effect to try and bring people out here. They, one of the things that you right. did to entice them was uh, give them deals on water, and then um, okay, this is the, like pre gold rush. Oh no, that would be that would be post gold rush. Pre gold rush was mostly fishermen. I mean, that that's what I remember. This is when a when long time when ago. was California still Mexico? Do we know that number? California became a state in 1851, if I'm not mistaken. 1849 was the gold rush, mm-hmm. and uh, 1821, Mexico separated from the king, so we were part of Spain for a very long time. So uh, you're an expert in everything. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Yeah. This is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. This is uh, one we can just sit out. I like yeah. this. Yeah. I'm feeling, this. I'm feeling very this. beta. <laughs> um, <laughs> Normally, we have to wait till our listeners email or tweet us in with corrections. And on that subject, and also on the subject of cultivation... Oh, real quick, yeah. Um, very quickly, but... Um, Every so often, we like it when you guys uh, write in to correct us, and we sometimes have a few people write in, particularly if we hit one of their areas <laughs> yeah. of We're occasionally wrong about things. Occasionally wrong, or occasionally we just pose an open question to our listeners and just go, I wonder we if this is the case. We think it's forgotten, because to be honest, we all forget it after we record the episode, No, our listeners do not. single thing we've ever mentioned on the show has received nearly a fraction of the response as the An passing outpouring. question in the last episode, uh, in the Holly Walsh episode, one of us just at some point asked, I wonder if they grow bananas in Australia. And fuck yeah, they do. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they they do. very much do. You I guys, you guys grow Queensland. 
Yes. Gonna be yeah. honest. You guys yes. grow, How does Tim know everything? You guys grow a shitload of bananas, Australia. Yeah. We've never gotten this many emails. It's you guys are proud of your bananas. It's it insane. We got funny. upwards of three emails <laughs> on this from our out of roughly seven <laughs> listeners. Our numbers are getting up. Ben Amadio was the first one in, and, and I was like, oh, that's kind of nice to know. By the third or fourth email, it was starting to get annoying. I didn't even know how to respond by, to them all except but, for thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank by the you. time it hit the tenth, it become funny again. Yeah. Right. It had gone full circle. But then, so like, like, eventually, it just got to subject. It's it's as if the listenership became <laughs> collectively more angry as the week between podcasts went on. Like, like uh, most people were informative like, rather than angry. No, by I think yo- most people by yesterday, the subject lines were just "fuck you." <laughs> and then, it, and then well, the first just, day, it'd be just a quick email. Yeah, we got bananas. By the by the seventh day, people were just like fuming because they've been. It's been bottled up inside. Them it's been bottled up. Then, thinking uh, that I'm sure in their mind video that we're just like sitting around like drawing maps of Australia with no bananas. Like we're just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're like banana deniers. Yep. Ben uh, Ben Amodio wrote yeah. in to say um, he, it is the largest horticulture crop in the state of Queensland, which produces more than ninety percent of Australia's bananas. He said, "So yeah, bananas are huge here in Australia. Quite, also, quite literally too, <laughs> since we have a landmark called the Big Banana. We've got yeah. a shitload of bananas. Big banana." Yeah, there's the Big Banana, which is a banana theme park, which more than one of you mentioned. Uh, a boomerang the, shaped like a banana. That's not the accent. <laughs> then there's a kids' TV show called uh, Bananas in Pajamas. Bananas in Pajamas. <laughs> Still not right. Not bananas in Pajamas. <laughs> nope. And, uh, uh, Keep trying. Um, I've yeah. seen Bananas in Pajamas. The, I think well, I have too. There's also the banana, um, what's the, the sunblock? Uh, banana, banana boat. Sun- yeah, banana boat sunblock. Banana boat. That has I nothing to do with real bananas. With- <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. The banana seat, obviously, very important. <laughs> yep. And Banana uh, hammocks were invented in <laughs> Australia, I think. Yeah, and listen, Dr. Smith's family grew bananas in northern New South Wales and Queensland and far northern Queensland. This episode um, brought to you by bananas. Oh, also, David Geenan, while we're on that subject, as well as correcting us on the banana issue, pointed out that Kiribati, as we kept calling it, is actually pronounced uh, like Kiribati. Who knew? Wow. <laughs> David know. did, apparently. <laughs> he wrote to tell us. Well, speaking of Australian exports, let's talk about imports. Can you guys take Iggy Azalea back, please? <laughs> Can you please take her back? You're S- done with that. Ship out more bananas. Take her back. Jesse's not a fan of bud implants, I found out today. I, I, I'm blown away by the amount of recent bud implants. Yeah, it seems like... I, I can't even understand how you can sit without it moving to the side permanently once you've been sitting on it for long enough. How's your ass work? What are you talking about? It always moves to the side. No, I'm saying, but muscle will go back uh, in place. Got but like, you got a Andy. thing that's just sitting there. Like, how do you how do you keep the implant in place? I think it's a different thing than like breast implant material. It's you think way they more weave it bonded into the, like into the actual fibers. I think of it's your woven penis? into your ass fiber. Okay, I, d- I doubt that's true. Tim is an expert. Tim, you know about- <laughs> Tim, you know about ass implants, right? You knew about queen. You knew you know when Spain when separated from the. No, all I heard was ass fiber. The implants getting. How, how do butt implants stay in place when you're sitting? Let's put it to our listeners. I'm sure we have a butt implant aficionado as a listener. So. We gotta have a butt implant aficionado. <laughs> uh, so if, yeah, any of you guys uh, send it in and mark your envelopes. Butt implants. Mm-hmm. Um, we we also got another. Email that I I think I might read out pretty much in its entirety, uh, just from Ivan Batasca, who is at Florida Atlantic University, mm-hmm. and uh, Ivan listened to the Will Anderson episode where we mentioned CubeSats. I think Jesse brought them up, which I hadn't heard of before. These are the small cubes that can be. Oh, no, Andy brought them up. Okay, I was Sorry, talking I... about uh, Arduino, the the programming. Oh, that's right. Language. Okay. So these cubes can be put into various satellites, and you can just buy a cube, or you can create a cube for about 150 grand, which is not that much for a university department, mm-hmm. and send it off up into space and do science with it. 
So and the base the base size of these is ten centimeters by ten by ten, so a yep. thousand cubic centimeters. So here's what we found out because Ivan is actually working at NASA's Marshall Space Flight, Space Flight Center in Huntsville, Alabama, on a project involving the next generation of these satellites. The SphereSat. Yeah, he says. Um, factually, you guys were absolutely correct. Which, Boom! Yeah, that oh, never wow. happened. Yes. Nailed one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Thank you, Wikipedia. CubeSats can measure ten by ten by ten centimeters, and are relatively low cost. One hundred and fifty grand for launch and development. Uh-huh. That means. Thanks, Andy. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> that means that universities and small companies can have the ability to put something in orbit for a relatively low cost. People typically mention their small size, but most of them don't know that they can be multiples of that volume. I have thou- used that excuse before. Right? <laughs> a, thou- a thousand cubic centimeters is considered one U, and CubeSats can be the size of multiples of these, depending on its power and payload requirements. Sure. The satellite I'm working on is a 12 U. You're working on a satellite map. I'm reading yeah. the email. Yeah. Oh, it's still Ivan's. Yeah. I'm this sorry. It's still man. Ivan. <laughs> I, I didn't know when you. I'm sorry. I feel like you're channeling right now. Like he's immediate. Is, is Ivan in there? Can we talk to <laughs> Ivan? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Houdini, Mr. Houdini, <laughs> make contact, Mr. Houdini. So think two briefcases stacked on top of each other. That's 12U is what That's I That's a 12U approximately okay. if you want to visualize it. That's how I buy my luggage, actually. In I'll use. go to Nordstrom and I'll say, I want 12U. I want 12Us of luggage. Yeah. I have, and I want it with a novel propulsion system like Ivan's based on a s- solid iodine propellant. Or iodine for your American listeners. Yeah, that's sure. The one drawback to using these satellites is they're unable to go to higher orbits and are typically restricted to the lower range of low Earth orbit, Mm. below 600 kilometers. Iodine tends to be more energy dense than the xenon that's currently, or xenon, for Americans. Am I right about that? (laughs) Yes, that's what we say. Xenon, yep. That is used in propellants for satellites of a larger form Speak English, Matt. (laughs) The idea... Here is that a lot is that a smaller amount of this iodine propulsion system can be used to boost CubeSats into higher, more scientifically valuable orbits. We've affectionately dubbed this satellite the ISAT. Oh, oh, that's a good name. Yeah. That is a good that's name. Lowercase like i, uppercase but then you have the, They've, they've front-run apple is what they did. That's what they, they did. Front-run apple. On apple, that. obviously infamous owner of IHOP, um, <laughs> uh, where you can get apple crisp. <laughs> Bringing it all together. Yes. Well, thank God that's the only thing with that, orbits happening right now. Okay. <laughs> well, Ivan just finishes up saying, this would be the first step to get CubeSats from a low-Earth orbit into other areas of space. Trips to asteroids, Venus, and Mars may one day be possible with something that fits snugly into the palm of your hand, saving a cool $100 million on launch costs in the process. So how do they get them into orbit? That's the so question. So they still go up on a satellite, mm-hmm. but, uh, but once on they go rocket? up... a rocket? They still, sorry, they still go up on a rocket, rather, yeah. but like, a relatively like one... small light rocket, and then they just get jettisoned once they get into a low-Earth orbit. Oh, I see. And yeah. then they self-propel so themselves. for space. This was a lot yeah. of what we lost payload-wise with the, um, the rocket that blew up... Uh, on launch, was it a week ago or two weeks ago? Two uh, weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Ivan finishes. That's why we started talking about this. Cause I was like yeah. googling what was the what the payload was. But you can send up these... anything if you want to send up a dissected hand. You can send it and, up. And there's a Kickstarter you know? for one where you can buy time on it because a lot of the ones that don't go up to these high orbits only last a few weeks or months before they just uh, burn, burn up. up. Yeah. But in, in the interim, you can have time on it. So you could buy like an hour's worth of time to run oh. environmental tests or like take pictures of parts of the earth if you wanted to so it's like a sort of open source just the, uh, the ultimate pervert yeah. <laughs> when's, when's it gonna be over West Cincinnati <laughs> um. uh, Ivan finishes up saying eventually it might not be uncommon for universities to send science missions into lunar and Martian orbits right now however 
we're looking at using iodine as a valuable way to change elevation and deorbit the vehicle. Check out our Facebook and Twitter page below for more info. We'll put links to that on propertyscience.com. Thanks, Ivan. So thank you, yeah. Ivan. Plugging his band, ironically, at the end. Oh, Not even... <laughs> it's weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, Ivan says is uh, working in aerospace, but he is an ocean engineer by trade, so lo- so he wants to hear more stories about the ocean on the podcast. Oh, I love the ocean. And we'll, r- Obviously, we'll send us Obviously, you love the ocean stories. and the lakes. You love the fresh and the salt. I love, love I, my, the both. ocean is my, my favorite environment. Because well, it's just, but I didn't even mention that Tim and I are also surfing buddies. Yeah. yeah. That's how we met, right? I mean, Did our listeners know so, yeah. you go surfing like every day? Uh, I don't. Go I think they assumed it, it probably is. Yeah. <laughs> Although actually, my, the listeners I think have a different picture of me. Well, of all of us, I guess when you, all you know is a voice. Like uh, sure. But yeah, Tim. Um, well, yeah, but you guys got good ones. We had listeners writing in when we posed it, and everyone's just like, "Jesse thought you'd be thinner." <laughs> you, no. you, guys, you, you guys, you guys got like good ones though. Like as Andy, in they thought worse things. Andy, than, you're oh. so handsome. Yeah, everyone thought way better of me. I, d- I bummed everyone out. Oh, Who said that? Man. Who said that to you? <laughs> like, it was a dude, right? I don't know. No, it wasn't. Like everyone's, you know. I don't know, Matt. I thought you'd only have one arm, or and then it's like Jesse, you look like a radiation victim. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, <laughs> no, but Tim, you're very at home in the water. How long have you been surfing? Since I was, uh, oh gosh, probably like 12 or 13, maybe I started going out in the ocean. Yeah. When did you catch your first noodle, bro? My first noodle? <laughs> when did you ride the first noodle? <laughs> uh, 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 that's not surf speak. I don't but think that's any speak. <laughs> what are you talking anybody, about? I don't think any subculture uses Tube is what you're thinking about? Tube? No, yeah. you get out there, you ride the noodle. <laughs> I hung out with surfers, guys. I'm a cool guy. I know surf culture. What, you know? what are the surf movies you're watching? <laughs> no, it's a surf movie. Uh, we're going to go hit some waves, ride the noodle. Ride the noodle. <laughs> yeah. 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 What, what city were you growing up in where you had access to the waves at tw- age 12? Well, I grew up in Car- Carmel Valley, California, which is not really very close to the beach, but uh, my parents would drive me into Monterey mm-hmm. yeah, oh, cool. drop me off at Asilomar Beach, which is um, actually Pacific Grove, I guess. Okay. Yeah. So not only just leaving their child unattended, but at an ocean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the they had five kids. They, they couldn't afford to it. lose one. Yeah. Yeah, no I problem. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you uh, stand to be that far inland at Davis all those years, or was that still close enough you didn't mind the drive out to the beach? I just basically put it out of my mind. I stayed in Davis, and you can't really do much in grad school. I spent a lot of time in a lab, and so you just kind of have to close life off for a while and try and get through it, which is probably why I didn't, probably not the best strategy if you're going to grad school, <laughs> actually. So, probably not why well, I'm not doing it anymore. So how did yeah. the, the uh, ecology and, and obviously your area of expertise, but then, but then um, evolution come into this? You said it's, it's ecology and evolution. So obviously you've studied the evolution of these fish. Why, why, how did it come into it? I mean, it's, it's so biology department in the ecology and evolution was a group within the biology department. Oh, so and, it's a combined name. Like that was the. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so um, basically you get your PhD in one, you have to get your PhD in both. So, okay. Okay. Yeah, ecology and evolution. Got it. Yeah. Got it. And how long did you spend doing science things after university before you went into comedy? Or well, I mean, I did a little bit of uh, research for the state, and then I uh, took a job in high tech. I worked at Hewlett Packard for a while, and then I took another job at uh, working at Charles Schwab on some of their software for a while. Interesting. And then I I forgot they're that. so big in the salmon migration stuff. No, yeah. the <laughs> well, I always forget that aspect of their. You know what? Company. I just found out. I just figured out what I was working on because we were working on a dark pool. 
back then, but they wouldn't like tell me exactly what we were doing. A dark pool, did you say? Yeah, you know what a dark pool is? No, no I, do not. I don't either. Well, it's where we break up trades. It was it was a private pool, so that if there if it you, sounds very illegal. Uh, it is legal Wait, now. Wait, is this so. still water talk? Or you mean different. a pool? What? Uh, oh, explain, different. Sorry. So explain sorry. everything to me like I'm really dumb. Explain everything to me what, like when I, I deserve When I was working at, at Schwab, we were working on a private pool of, of stocks to trade back and forth. So you didn't want to send them out to the market because you had a buyer and a seller within your own, within your own uh, clientele. So someone both at Schwab. So the stocks are already technically bought. Someone's an owner, so you have an owner. He wants to sell some shares, and you have a buyer over here who wants to buy them. Normally, you would sell it, send it out to the market to find the. the I had no idea you could do that privately. Yeah, so they can in something called a dark pool. Now. Everyone has yeah. to wear those eyes wide shut masks, though. It, no, absolutely. It's, yeah, you have to. Today, There's yeah, the Yo Yo Ma's in the corner. Yeah. it's very weird. Um, so yeah, so, okay, dark pool. Yeah, and so then there was a, a Russian programmer in the corner, and she was working on. I asked her what she, she kept asking what she was working on. She kept saying arbitrage opportunities. That was it, which I thought uh, was strange. And then I just read the book uh, Flash Boys. Have you read the book Flash Boys? No. Mm-mm. Anyway, it's uh, about all the front running of orders that come in. So basically, someone puts in an. It's it's an interesting book. I'll, I'll short it for you here, but it's illegal if I'm a broker and someone says, "Hey, I want to buy a million shares of IBM." I can't go out and say, "Hey, go buy up all the shares of IBM," and then I'm going to sell them to this guy on the phone. Right. That's illegal. But what they're able to do by having a very fast computer is when that order comes in, okay, they can send an order to all the other markets to buy up all of the other shares before this order and it basically goes back to the other markets and tries to get the share. So it says an order comes into market one, says I want a million shares. There's not a million shares in market one. Right. Right? So he's going to have to go to market two, market three, market four, market five. These people have a computer at market one that sees that mm-hmm. and goes out and buys up all the shares at market to two. To screw them over. To, to drive screw up the them price. over and right. then sell it back to this guy at a higher price than he would have gotten. Okay. Yeah. So they make money instantaneously. In, le- in less than half a second, they're making money. This is something... I think that might be then connected to the thing I was hearing recently about how just even having a computer that is a certain number of meters closer to the central exchange. That's exactly it. Yeah, what? because that's exactly it. Yeah, because <laughs> of things the speed are operating of in, in nanoseconds. So if you can get out ahead of this guy, right, um, at the speed that, that an operate, you know, the computer operates at, right, it's right. doing literally billions of calculations per second, and then the speed of light to get it over to the other market. It doesn't take very long. It's t- I mean, it's taking billions of a second. Right. And so if you can get there uh, a fraction of a second before this guy can, you can buy up all the shares and wait for him to his so order. So these, these are uh, macros then. This is like automatic programs. That oh, yeah. This is all, it's all running. Because <laughs> you yeah. can't like, a guy really with fast finger. Finger. Well, yeah. You, no. can't, like, you can't click your mouse that fast. No, there's no, 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 no. there's no one involved anymore. There's no one involved. The order comes. The markets are actually all on computer now. This there's is no, like Skynet, there's, man. There's no, there's, no, there's no longer those people. Remember those like New York Stock Exchange? Hey, I got 50. There's not anything on the floor Some of that. I'm an idiot. I thought that was still. There's none of that. What about the people ringing the bell? You see that in the news and people cheer and stuff? Why are they all yelling if there's no... There's no the I don't higher end of trading places is now just a free term. <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah. It's uh, well, In the big the room with the yelling electro- guys. The electronic markets is where this is happening, yes. But what, what, are know, the, uh, what are the yelling guys doing? They, they're, they're still there. There's still a job. There's still guys that are there a yelling. jacket that means something, I think, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. They stand on top of the computer and yell okay. <laughs> <laughs> to encourage it to work faster. Yeah. It's just like going to like Colonial Williamsburg. You're just seeing like someone putting on a show of this job that doesn't exist anymore. Hear ye, hear yeah. ye. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So wait, that was illegal then, and that's what that Russian woman was working on, and now it is. I, no, they would never tell me what she's working on. I okay. just figured it out when I read the book. Okay. You know, like they hire all these Russian programmers to to that are very talented to essentially 
front run these orders. They come in. You have to be able to instantaneously analyze. So writing the programs yeah, to do this. To do okay. this and get over to the other markets to to simply buy up all the shares before these the other people can get to the other market to buy up all the shares. Yeah. Is, so not predicting anything. Is there any They're waiting until the order comes in. Is right. there any particular reason for the, uh, the Russian The Russian programmer? part, yeah. According to the book, they're very good at, uh, first of all, they're very talented programmers. Mm-hmm. And then they're because of the background in Russia of having to game the system to get anything their entire lives, <laughs> right? That they're very good at gaming systems. Right. And so they're Russians really, are I, conniving. That was the polite way of saying they're <laughs> conniving. I mean, apparently to get your, your you know, there was so many, so many government things yep. set up in Russia to get anything. You had to be able to game the system to get, you know, your clothes and food and everything. If every movie of the 80s has taught us anything. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so they were very good at it. And so when it came to electronically gaming the system, they were very good at that. They were the best in the world at doing that. And so uh, Is, I read the book and I was like, that that must have been what they were working on in the corner. That they because they I remember when I told them I had finished my PhD, they didn't want me anywhere near that stuff anymore. Speaking of wait, why wouldn't they want you near it once you finished? Because I think they figured out that I might figure out what was going on and that I could understand the math and and know that it and was then just illegal, do your own or no, or just, just write your own program or yourself. something and just. Because there's no reason for you to be doing this for a firm, right? You could just do it. Well, no, you have, have. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. That's you need to be, have a. You need to be. You, you need to be the first to react. That's why these people are paying so much money so to they be in have, a co-location facility. They get that information in an in advance. They right. send them the information first, so they can react to it first. You you have to pay a lot of money to get a co-location facility at one of these. So things. the people doing the order are the ones doing the insider trading. They're the ones doing the upfront illegal shit. Well, it's not shit. even... It's not a tenant. It's not insider trading. No. That involves no, no, no. knowing something about I'm not the, saying uh, you guys. I'm saying the reason someone would need this system to get 100 of IBM right away, or to get a million IBM stock, like the yeah. reason somebody would need a system like that, the, the reason that system exists is probably for something shady. No, I mean people want to buy people want to buy shares. So I mean originally, but why couldn't gonna, you just buy it? You would just do it. You yourself. have to buy it somewhere, right? Someone has to buy it for. I mean, you physically can't. You have to match up. I don't know how money works. First, okay. of all. <laughs> like it's I all really an don't. Abstraction. It's all you want to do. It, it's it's so confusing to me. I do everything cash. Like I literally don't have a credit card. I, you don't yeah. have a credit card. I, I go debit card or nothing. Oh wow, it's over. Like I just I don't know, and it's not it's not for any sort of reasons other than I'm. Uh, even just seeing like a filling out a tax form like just makes me so sleepy. Like I just yeah. see a form and get it, tired. It would be kind of like I, th- I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it'd be kind of like you know how if there's some kind of natural disaster or whatever, there's often a rush on bottled water. Yes, and then certain unscrupulous sh- shops will put their prices up. Yes. Well, imagine if you're just like there's a really localized problem in one store, and suddenly that store goes, "Oh shit, we're going to need a load of bottled water." And you get that information first, and you go around to every other supermarket and buy all their water. in a 12-mile radius instantaneously and buy up all of their water from all the suppliers, then that one store has to then buy it off you for more money. You sort of instantly yeah. right. corner the market and then dictate your own price. And it's doing that on every single trade, fractions of a second, like wow. millionths of a second before the person yeah, actually buys the stock. No sure. way there's no risk. Yeah. Right? That's very eyes wide shut. Yeah, that, of course. There's no risk in that trade because you because you know that you have someone to sell it to instantly. Yes, it's did like I, being a ticket scalper. Did right? I tell you yeah. guys? Right. It's like being a ticket the scalper. Ticket scalper in the world. It's like being a ticket scalper. If you were stood outside the venue and the second you someone the said, "Do you have a ticket for that?" <laughs> you have five assistants who are like a, the second a group of four people go up, going, "Do you have any tickets left?" Yeah. You your over. four assistants who are surrounding the thing instantly grab them up. Yeah, and then sell and them to people back. who yeah. ask for the tickets. Shady yes, stuff. That's, that's basically Speaking of shady Russians, you guys. Yeah. 
I, uh, the other night at uh, the Fifth around the corner, uh-huh. uh, lo- favorite uh, local bar of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> and, and for local prostitutes. <laughs> what, the, oh, I told oh, you so, the I'm story? Sorry. No, no. I just know that when you've seen them there, when you've got Did I tell you the story? I the realized how dumb I am, just the fact that like I could probably pretty easily be tricked by a prostitute and like not know she's a prostitute. Until, How could you not know she's a prostitute? Well, because it almost happened to me. <laughs> like I I'm would, sorry for stepping on your story. No, you're not. I was just I was just sitting. What do you there. mean by tricked exactly? Like? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, here's what I mean by tricked. It terrifies me. It doesn't terrify me. But what I mean is, it's like I just thought I was having a legitimately good conversation, connecting with someone. <laughs> right. First of all, it makes me insecure because it's one of those things of like. I'm almost like no, fuck you. I'm not a mark. I can actually talk to like pretty girls. Uh-huh. Like that happens. I can talk to. You I know, believe it. But apparently... <laughs> for the purposes of this conversation... We'll yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. go along with it. On for this. Through, through some safety glass, yeah. I'm sure. sure, sure. Would no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if they're, they're in prison. I don't know. I don't know, but sometimes. Uh, no, but... but um, well, just that, you know, they're on the movie screen and you're shouting at it. <laughs> sure, shouting at a screen. Uh, no, but I'm sitting there having my, uh, having my, uh, my ginger ale, you know, mm-hmm. and a lovely young lady comes in, and, uh, but she sits a few, th- a few things away and she's looking at her phone and just... And, but she strikes up a conversation. We're just talking. But it was this very like weird thing where I just thought, oh, I'm just having like a cool conversation. But then I kind of realized almost before like I guess here's what I mean by being tricked by a prostitute is uh, I feel like sometimes you could have sex with somebody uh, and then they would be like, and that'll be that'll be a thousand dollars. And you're like, now I don't think that happens ever. (laughs) (laughs) And And here's why I think that would be a. I think that would be someone with very poor business sense. <laughs> who How should you know you got the money? Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Because like, then you say no. Someone shakes you down, but if you still don't have the money, you don't have the yeah, money. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's like... But that's what I mean, is like the, the shakedown scares me. But and I, some well, guy comes they, and breaks your arm. But then she's already had sex and taken that risk. If, it's, if you look at it economically, you're right. Like, risk, she, yeah, I don't... <laughs> I don't. I Where think, did this I, happen? I think the worst around thing the that corner, can happen the around the corner. It's across the street from like a uh, a cheap hotel, which is why. And it's, it's the, yeah, and it's also like across the street from like a weird like hookah bar. And but there, I, but I again like I don't think you, of, I don't think you really lose out anything in that transaction except for maybe a slight like oh hot girl's talking to me oh okay well, she's talking to me because it's a business transaction and then that's that's like. Like any more than that guy who's being really friendly to me in the market is like, oh, he says, I, oh, I look like a friendly, cool guy. Oh, because he's trying to sell me the goods in his thing. Well, then no, you go, but, okay, but, well, that's that's what that but is. But what I'm saying is, on occasion, and I, this sounds like kissing and telling, but on occasion, stuff has happened to me like that, but it wasn't a shady thing where it seems surreal. Okay. What do you mean? Does she that, just really like you for no, no reason? That, that sounds like arrogant. Yeah. But like, what? You're a, saying occasionally, occasionally you scored with someone where you're like, well, this shouldn't be happening. Just where it's just way too easy and falls into your you lap, and you're just like, is this a real thing? Am I yeah. uh, like? Sometimes a guy in a marketplace genuinely thought I, about, I look cool and friendly, yeah. Yeah. right? And it's just like, wanted to let me know. Am I about to get jumped into the Illuminati? Like, why is this happening to me? You know, and so it's one of those things where I'm like, that's not beyond the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you realize, like... So what, oh, what, once time, you realized that the other night at the 5th, what did you do? That was like, I was, we quit like we quit talking. What, did you, what were the actual words you said when you, when you said uh, this is... I just, I just went like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> All what, right. <laughs> what, what words made you realize what she was doing? She eventually started bringing up just like her financial situation. And stuff like that, but like not in a way that was like. Yeah. It was still bullshitty. Like, just, is, is just it is it because my way through school? You know, like on that, the off chance she's that in you school? were. <laughs> <laughs> was it was it like again, a that's legally all, safe? I think that's all fair enough. You know, sort of. Yeah. yeah. Firstly, there's there's a whole lot of laws in place, particularly 
I think recently in California, it's even got worse. And and so she's got to <laughs> she's got to be. They brought in a really bullshit law in the last... It was one of the um, ballot initiatives in the not the most recent election, the one before that. Okay. And it was one that was coached in... It was it was some tech millionaire who was trying to... You know when like a tech millionaire who wants to get more political yeah. Yeah. goes like, this is my pet project to make me look more important for a future run. Um, and it was... It was phrased in words like it was like an anti-trafficking thing. So when everyone who looks at them, the ballot just goes, oh, I hate I hate trafficking. Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. signs it. And then it included like, some really fucked up things where, for example, someone who's doing some form of sex work to support their family and the family members themselves could be considered to be profiting from her work. So therefore they are pimps therefore they are trafficking her. So someone could so um, someone's own son could be traf- could be convicted of trafficking them and have to be on the sex offenders register for life. So there's there are things like that that got brought in um which then leads to really careful guarded conversation when someone's just talking to someone at a bar. I, that has never trial. crossed my mind talking to someone at a bar that I might be convicted of, of even in, even in like oh not not the trap no no not that no the prostitute but, but has in that to case be, yeah because because even if she uh, obviously she can't say I'm a prostitute do you want right. to go have sex so she has to be pretty cagey in case you're a cop and maybe you're just saying even cagier now that there's a bigger risk to being a prostitute exactly yeah now like now the laws got even more convoluted and weird how did we get on this from stock stuff again shitty russians dude oh uh, okay i wanted to ask you <laughs> i wanted to ask tim like we have a lot of listeners who are uh in science fields and also younger listeners yeah. who might be considering science as a career i feel bad whenever there's somebody on like like you it's always somebody who like matt and like me has uh left science behind for more yeah. fun things so was it was it those kind of moments of like oh I, i'm working in a corrupt thing that made you want to leave or what what, what was the what made you leave? No, you know, what made me leave it behind really was a bad relationship with my advisor, and I got really tired of uh, writing and reading papers. And, uh, you know, I think that's what forces people out of a lot of businesses, right? You yeah. Know, people get tired of the industry and entertainment business. They, the people they're working with, they don't like it anymore, and so they move on. And it, was, it was like that for me. We had a very, very... Um, uh, destructive relationship, shall yeah. I say? And sure. so, when, when I graduated, I just wanted to make sure I never had to see him again. And so, I did whatever it took. Yeah. Really, yeah. one person is all it took for you to be like so long academia forever. Uh, yeah, you know what? It had changed. I'm not. I'm not cut out for the politics of academia. First yeah. of all, as a comedian, you 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 value freedom of speech, just saying things. Yeah, that's not unfortunately any longer. Uh, a value that's propagated in academia Uh-oh. because uh, people are too afraid of hurting someone's feelings, which is a good thing to be afraid of, but mm-hmm. you can't both talk openly and, and protect everyone's feelings all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And so they've erred on the side of protecting everyone's feelings, which I think is a mistake because the mission of academia is the pers- disinterested pursuit of the truth. And that means you have to have free speech and you have to have people being able to talk without uh, fear of losing their jobs or getting kicked out of the university or all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. You've got a hard drive full of papers on eugenics, don't you? But you're just trying to get <laughs> out there. You do have a very eugenics professor jacket <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> I've been working on the eye colors this week. <laughs> no, that's, that's very true. Yeah, I, I mean, we talked with the author of, not to actually make this about that sort of topic, but uh, David Epstein uh, wrote a book called The Sports Gene, and we had him on. And as he was getting into 
researching uh, genetic things related to sports performance, it was a subject that everyone in academia was just like, yeah, I, why don't we have to talk about this? Like, well, everything can be studied, can't it? Like, yeah. nothing should be off limits for study. Yeah, I mean, that's, people need to be openly, openly able to discuss things that are um, not considered culturally okay, because that is how we got to where we were. People had to dig up bodies at a graveyard because it was not okay to dissect bodies, yeah. right? you know? That oh for dissection okay yeah that, <laughs> sorry I thought you were talking about my I thought you were talking about my 2010 you know what I'm saying that's what it took is that the police code for what you did <laughs> yeah it was a lonely we got a 2010 again a lonely time <laughs> Jesse is that you yeah. but, uh, was there was there something specific to your field that was you felt being stifled like or was it just kind of a general it's just general you yeah. know I was like you. you yeah, I just I don't want to get into the politics and everything okay. there. You know, I have, I was fine. Just like I didn't have any anything personally go wrong myself. In fact, my advisor had much more political problems than, than I did in any way, shape, or form. But um, you can tell. I'm like, do I want to spend the rest of my life doing this? Right. I mean, I love science. I love logic. I love figuring things out, and I still do that. You know, well, was it a combination like, of loving comedy more? I mean, you just fell in love with something. I did not know I was going to be a comedian when I left science. No, oh, okay. I did not know that. I just know that I didn't want to. do that anymore i okay. thought i wanted to be a college professor i'm like i don't think i want to be a college professor anymore yeah it was not everything that i thought it would be and but, but now you've ended up in a thing where you do you do some shows that are sort of half comedy half science yes i do yeah comedic presentations on so science. it's much more open about what i can do i get to decide what i can talk about and how i want to present it and um i think a lot of the reason that i did that is because i saw so many bad seminars where people right. just did not care whether or not the audience was interested. And if they're not, mm -hmm. interest comes before learning. You can't make people learn something that they're not interested in. So if you can't make your topic interesting, no one is going to learn it. And it's, it seems so basic to me, but it just escapes so many people. Yeah. And so there's no point in talking if everyone's stopped listening. That's why I always thought, like... Um you know those guys that like shout for you to go in and watch a freak show? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, step right up. I got a freak show here. We got the woman with three tits. Come on in. <laughs> you know, and it's like every day I see that. Yeah. Well, you know how you know when you're walking down the street. Right. And now I know why you mistook a hooker for a normal lady. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm saying is, it's like the freak show sells itself. Those guys should be doing other stuff, like talks about minerals and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on in. We got a yeah. Learn about the minerals. But then it's like you could just have a picture of a lady with three tits. I'd go in and listen to the conference. Yeah. That's what. I, well, that's what I'm saying. Is like like uh, like the elephant man. Like, you could be a boring speaker. You yeah. just show up with that guy. You know, and everyone's just waiting for the reveal. You know, everyone's sitting there waiting for the burlap pull-off. <laughs> and you're, you, got a, you got a maid. And it's John or Joseph Merrick sitting under a, a tarp for the whole speech. Like, that's what's happening? They, they would reveal him at those talks. Oh, okay. He would be there, but like with a burlap thing. And then it was like a weird Victorian reveal. That's really that's I don't know much about yeah. this. I haven't even seen the movie. I Dude, I'm, the movie, I'm, uh, I'm a pretty big, pretty big Merrick fan. You love gorillas and the elephant man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's part of it. Jesse likes for likes. Well, speaking of things that I don't think needs sexing up in current about, events, you're talking about seven hours of terror. <laughs> yeah, we're right in the middle of a very historic occasion. Uh, the Rosetta mission to um, to land on comet number sixty seven P. Sixty seven P. Chiriumov oh. uh, Gerasimenko comet. 
And, that is um, my favorite comment. That is my favorite. Well, no, I'd say top three. Yeah, you are such a guy. like just go with the crowd. Um, and so it's, it's yeah, it's a big deal. It's a culmination of uh, the ten years that Rosetta spacecraft has spent in space before finally catching up with it, and it just got the okay earlier today like, within the last few minutes from, I, the, from the European Space Agency. The, the yeah. official Twitter account of the lander, which is pronounced uh, either Philae or Philae or Philae, Philae. Um, should, should I get the pronunciation video back <laughs> sure, up again? let's get the video. <laughs> yeah, but we've already noticed some weird shit about it. We, yeah. we, we, look, we had to do this before we even went on air. All right. This is a video on YouTube. How to pronounce P-H-I-L-A-E. Philae or Philae, Egypt. So, but then she says Egypt. Egypt. At the end. At the end. To tell you where it's from. So, uh, so we're not entirely trusting her. This not trusting Egypt that woman. Video. I think there's some, uh, I don't know if it's a street joke or something my dad said once. Like Someone asks a guy, is it Hawaii or Hawaii? And the guy says, Hawaii. He says, thank you. You're welcome. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so yes, anyhow, the Philae lander um, has been given the okay to uh, to leave Rosetta and make its way down to the surface of the comet, which could be happening in the next few hours as we're recording this on um, the night of November 11th. And uh, if and when it does land, when it does, I'll say when, it will be the first time we've made a controlled landing on a comet ever. Well, it... On the nucleus, Abs- on the absolutely. what's the term for the actual center of it? The nucleus, but yes. it's going yeah. to. Uh, th- I guess the reason I brought up that seven hours of terror, after it's gotten the go ahead, it's going to take at least seven hours for it to land okay. on the nucleus, and it is fucking uh, terrifying. It's one of yeah. the hardest Ooh. landings you can do. Um, Tell me about it, because uh, <laughs> landing uh, landing a space cr- uh, probe on an extraterrestrial surface like the Moon, Mars, or Venus is very very difficult. But even more difficult is landing on the surface of a tiny spinning rocky comet. Um, after deployment, uh, the ESA team, along with scientists around the world, will hold their breath for seven hours as uh, as the probe approaches. Um, and this thing and is about the size of a washing machine. It's 220 it, pounds. It's also traveling 40 times faster than a bullet. Oh, wow. Um, so hang on. Wait a second. The comet is the, is the 220 pounds or the phyla- phyla- The phyla- The, the phyla- Okay. Oh, the comet's the lander, bigger than that. The right? comet's bigger that, than okay, that. Okay, cool. Yes. Um, and yeah, the comet. So it's... It's like Little Prince style if it was that size. It it spins on its axis once every 12 hours, and it's all while shooting jets of gas out of its rocky and uneven surface. Um, And it's blasting kiss music all the time. I I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah. I mean, this comet, I mean, 40 times faster than a bullet. Blasting gas? Yeah, it shoots jets of gas. Um, out of itself. Oh, I mean, isn't isn't that just the solar wind blowing it off of it, or is that d- different I from? Know, maybe it's or is it actually from its interior? It's it has some sort of seismic. Okay, I don't know. Um, so here's what's going to happen. Step one: the Rosetta spacecraft will descend to 13.6 miles above the comet. Uh, at that point, it will deploy uh, Philae uh, from Egypt, um, which will use the navigational <laughs> system scientists installed on it 10 years ago. Uh, so keep in mind. So this was ten year old oh, navigational wow. system, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, pre iPhone, pre iPhone time, yeah. YouTube. This so is... it's going to find its way to the spinning jet spewing comet surface. Uh, step three: it will slowly descend to the surface. If everything goes to plan, the descent will take seven nerve wracking hours. When it reaches the surface, it will drill itself three feet to the comet, securing itself for the long haul. If the surface is covered with loose dust, that could be a huge problem. Um, and it has two point five days of battery life at that point to run experiments, and then it's it's done. It's just going to die. It's going to update its MySpace page. It's update, yeah. <laughs> yeah, then it updates. So it, it up, it, yeah, it updates everything to LiveJournal. And, <laughs> and, and there so, we are. Yeah, if you want to like follow sh- that, go to geocities.com slash... <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to search for that on Alta Vista. But actually, by the time we put this episode up, this could... 
all be over. Yeah, um, it will be. Or over. have gone Shit. terribly wrong. Yeah. Right. But either way, if you want to follow there, our Twitter accounts for The Lander, which is p- at P-H-I-L-A-E 2014. And for the general Rosetta mission, you can follow them at ESA underscore Rosetta. Um, and also, by the way, while I'm giving links, I did mention people emailing in with corrections and tweeting us. Probablyscience at gmail.com and at probablyscience are the addresses for that doing that. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, we should mention... Um, Oh, by the, the way, holidays the, are coming up. I the, was going to. The land just uh, tweeted us. By the way, uh, nothing's landed yet. Tweeted at us. Yeah. Well, at us, at us, the world. Oh, because oh. I but, tweeted at them before we started recording. <laughs> I was like, maybe they're going to like our podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> but we are a subset of the world. Okay, that's true. Okay. And it says all is in order. So I'm go for separation from at esa underscore rosetta. Just a few hours left to hashtag comment landing. Oh yeah, it left in 2004. There was no Twitter. So how is it tweeting? Wow, yeah. Conspiracy. That's not the actual lander that's (laughs) tweeting at us. That's That's a ghost writer. Is this a verified... (laughs) Is this a parody lander account? (laughs) (laughs) Is this a verified lander? Oh, man. I tell you, if it was a person up there uh, doing that instead of just a probe, they'd have to have some some pretty big balls. Oh, yeah? (laughs) Yeah. Talking about testicles here. Do you guys, uh, do you guys know that uh, the <laughs> testicles? Bruce Willis do that at one the, point uh, in time. <laughs> he, he did. <laughs> yeah, he did. Well, Bruce Willis is actually in uh, file IAE. Yeah, uh, right now as we speak. Well, because okay. that's ben, why he's not made a movie in ten years. <laughs> yeah, Ben Affleck's going to marry his daughter. <laughs> what are you yeah. talking about? He's in all the all the nope. action movies. No, I refuse no, to believe it. Was all <laughs> he's been like tucked inside of this little thing in a tank top with no shoes on, <laughs> with a gun taped to his back. Yeah. Oh man, poor Bruce. Um, so what do you got for us, Jesse? Another. Well, it turns out, and this is true of Bruce too. It's true of all of us guys that uh, testicles are the site of the most diverse proteins. Um, oh. Turns out that the testicles mm-hmm. uh, have more unique proteins than any other tissue in the body. Guys, no proteins in our cells and tissues are responsible for everything, from repair and maintenance to the production of signaling chemicals. You might expect that the brain, being our most sophisticated organ, would produce the widest array of proteins. While the brain hosts 318 unique proteins that we know of, testicles are home to 999. There's a lot of proteins. A lot of protein down here. Story sent in by listener Kristen, by the way. Thank you, Kristen. (laughs) Yeah. Who's in Kristen, our listener. Kristen, she just knew from the taste. It's one of the the surprising messages from the latest, most comprehensive version. We lose 500 listeners a week, and I'm so sorry. Um, Thanks for listening, Kristen. Um, It's one of the surprising messages from the latest, most comprehensive version of the human protein atlas, Proteome, an inventory of all the proteins produced in the human body. Launched this week on ProteinAtlas.org, the atlas represents a decade of work in 13 laboratories led by Matthias Ulhin of the Royal Institute of Technology in Stockholm. So many of the proteins found in the old scrote are involved in the type of cell division that produces sperm, says Ulhin. What's going on in the fun bag is unique, as sperm must survive. Again, the scientist's words. <laughs> Again, no, that's what I'm saying. You can't, I mean, let's not mince words. It's academia. We're getting this. Um, so what's going on in the fun bag is unique, as jizz must survive with half the chromosomes and outside the human body. I will take issue with that because you're conflating uh, semen with sperm. So like, the liquid is not the same as the... Yeah. 
as uh, as sorry. sperm. I would still call sperm jizz. I if I saw a sperm cell, jizz. I'd say, "Look at that jizz." Okay, okay. I call it a piece of jizz. <laughs> would you really? Yeah, like, it's a you know, no, I think it's like a fish. <laughs> I think it's a fish fishes thing. Well, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like sheep. It's like that's a jizz. Let's, let's turn to the qualified biologist. <laughs> I want to know when this has become an issue. When have you seen <laughs> a just a piece of jizz uh, in my dreams <laughs> every night? Uh, he says egg making ovaries may well have a similar number, but eggs are made inside fetuses, so he will not be testing this theory. Uh, knowing which proteins are made in each organ in a health... Well, we should figure out some way to test that. Uh, eggs are made inside fetuses? That's right. They make yeah. them during the development cycle. That's true. Yeah. And so you have the same eggs all your life. Yeah. yeah. Oh, if you're I guess a woman, I did know woman. that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You've got to find that number. That did, that did strike me as strange, too, to hear that. But then I'm I, like, yeah. You, I just you think do, you yeah. could probably test... Why can't you test an adult? You could test an adult's ovaries for the protein tissue... In a very non-invasive way, you got I'm enough sure. to spare. You could grab one or two, right? You could I probably mean, take out two ovaries. You'd be fine. I mean, no, no eggs. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, no, oh, wait, because you can't. Oh wait, hold on a second. What? What's? Uh, God, I wish we knew how girls worked. <laughs> yeah. We 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 yeah. always do someone this. explain <laughs> girls to uh, one of these days. Guys, I'll what is it. happening down there with you guys? Yeah. Um, knowing which proteins are made in each organ in a healthy individual should make it easier for researchers to zero in on the proteins that malfunction in disease, oh, and yeah. so better design new drugs and treatments. Um, it's very well knowing all our genes, but at the end of the day, all human disease and biology stem from the nuts, the building blocks of humans. Proteins. <laughs> stem from the proteins. I literally didn't even mean to make that joke. <laughs> what? What? That was you, completely what did you? What did you? <laughs> did you just replace the word protein with nut and not even? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I just said nuts, but I, I literally just meant to read it straight. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, that's a problem yeah. I need to look into. Uh, Olin continues, <laughs> what we've produced is like a Grey's Anatomy for proteins. And, and again, he he's referring the book, to the book rather the, than the TV show. Yes. Oh, and the human man. genome. <laughs> He's referring to the These proteins, they work, to, they work hard, they play hard. They have uh, some interesting romances. Uh, the so human, the, I was going to say, the Human Genome Project revealed 10 years ago that humans have 20,000 genes that code for proteins, from those that build our bodies and organs to those we depend on for all the cell processes that keep us alive. The Atlas reveals for the first time where most of these proteins are made and what they are doing in our bodies. Surely those are the only intriguing findings. Of course. Well, no, actually, as well as that surprise, the, pro this? the project has made some other intriguing findings. For example, almost half of our genes, 8,847, are switched on in all our cells, performing all of the biochemical donkey work on which all life depends, such as producing energy, reading DNA, and turning it into proteins. Uh, this is a weird analogy in this new scientist article yeah. oh, from Ulan, from the scientist. He goes, mm. cars like Ferraris and Volkswagens may look very different, but the basic components of both are roughly the same. And that's how it is with the organs and proteins. Actually, that's not right analogy. Thanks, Ulan. Yeah. But surely there's no contrast to that. That's just a solid point. Well, no, in contrast, <laughs> 2,355 of our proteins are uniquely produced in specific organs meaning that these proteins must play a key role in determining the dramatic physical differences between organs as diverse as the skin and the brain. So this project was launched in 2005, and tissues for the Atlas were donated by 360 healthy people. But no ladies. 
How do you know that? <laughs> well, I mean, like, well, not, I still don't get ovaries, what it is. Their, I still uh, don't Andy get doesn't why consider you, women to be healthy people. Yes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get why you, if you can study testes, you can't study ovaries. I still don't. Under, uh, yeah. I, I, don't I guess know. it's because they're outside the body and versus inside the body type thing. They're probably harder to get into. You can just do a ne- They have needles. I'm please. Tim. I know girls with inside <laughs> ovaries. Ooh, their ovaries aren't outside like the girls get, you know. <laughs> I don't know. He said, it, I wonder if it is, I don't quite understand, but it's presumably something to do with the, that fact that ovaries produce like you're born women are born with every egg yeah. that they will ever have in their lifetime right. at birth and then they get released in uh yeah. on a monthly basis but um sure. after puberty but whereas the men are constantly reproducing sperm um, yeah so the ovaries kind of stop having usefulness after they've done their first the uh, batch kind of that's why it would... no they hold the eggs and then they well, right they tie them as they i go don't out. know what that so has to do with i guess it's the um oh it's he, he, it says earlier on in the article, many of the proteins found in testicles are involved in the types of cell division that produces sperm. So that okay, cell division yes. isn't going to be yeah, happening in right, the yeah. okay, ovaries okay. because right, yeah. that does make sense. the cells are already divided. It's so weird that's uh, 999 because I, I guarantee you that assumes your scrotum is completely clean. Like, there's got to be a thousand on my balls right now. You just want to get it up up over the thousand mark? There has to be one extra protein one somewhere extra protein on my scrotum. No one showers that hardcore, unless you're like in Gattaca. Cheese is a kind of protein, right? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Um, by the way, this speaking of people who don't understand how uh, basic human things work, um, so I, I think I might have mentioned, I did mention that my brother uh, and his wife had their first baby a couple weeks ago. My other nephews, who are four and seven, were discussing amongst themselves how they think this came about, and my nephew Jensen said... Maybe when Dan and Ashley kissed, some chemicals were exchanged, and poof, baby Charlie came. That's pretty close. That's what my seven-year-old that, yeah, nephew close. said. Maybe when they kissed, some chemicals were exchanged. That's pretty. That's, yeah. that's, that's decent. Yeah. Pretty yeah. accurate. I used to. Uh, and then after those chemicals were exchanged, they fucked. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys ever assume that babies burst out of the stomach? Oh, I had the, an even weirder one. Where Instead of coming through the. My mom, I asked, no. her, I asked her one day where they came really? out. I think at some point in my life, I thought women pooped out the baby. Okay. But yeah. I never thought they burst out. Did like you guys a, ever think your mom's... How far through your academic career was that? <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys ever think your mom's had dicks? No. Like no. You, just, just, no. you never assumed they also had a dick? No. no. No, I think I... What are you talking? Of course you did. I don't no, Why I would you assume they have a different so... thing down there? I think it was something that I knew from fairly early on. Yeah, yeah. me too, yeah. I don't know how. The difference between boys and girls was was boobs and vaginas, right, versus a penis. That was pretty early on. <laughs> sure, but I'm talking how early are you talking? <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I knew I mean, early I, on, you know. How early? Well, I mean, I, I I don't know. I mean, I lost my virginity. I was, what, three or four at least. <laughs> so, like, but, you know, I wasn't really killing it up to kind of a bit of a dry spell up yeah. until then. Um, no, I, I I don't know. I think I, I think I at some point, like, just assumed I, it came up somehow. And some yeah. question I had for my mom or something, just assuming she had a, a dick. Oh, huh. She I, might. I mean, I don't know. She yeah. still might. <laughs> I assume. I, I asked assume. my mom one time when I was really young where babies came out. And she said through a special birth opening in a woman's bottom. And I assumed it was like on one of the cheeks. Like there's just like a oh, nozzle, yeah. like a valve you open up, not like in the mid. I just, of course, on the bottom implies like in the meat of the butt yes, to me. So that makes I sense. I don't know which side it would come out or, yeah. That also means your mom's like pure doggy style. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that she considers at the bottom instead of like it was a strange it's one of those I did, I did here is a weird thing I I did I did I, I was always jealous about this information that the uh... <laughs> Matt you know that's true right you're with me on that it could be 
<laughs> I think Matt is embarrassed on my behalf. Is that what's happening? Uh, no, I think Jesse just broke me. Okay, yeah. okay. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> it's it's a it's a weird thing to uh, to call your vagina part of your bottom. It, it is. It is. Unless I, that's your. It's also a weird thing to tell someone their mom likes it doggy style. <laughs> it's a little bit weird. I'm I'm moving past it. Uh, well, was, no, it's, it's whatever, <laughs> guys. I was gonna go further to even say I remember there was a time when I was jealous about the special talk the girls got when the guys had to leave the room. Oh yeah. When we got the first sex ed talk in like fifth grade because I was like, oh, why wouldn't they give I, kids are curious give every yeah. kid all the information and I was like jealous that they knew something secret we didn't know and I even asked a babysitter what a period was because I was afraid to ask my parents like an right. ad for for like a maxi pads was on or whatever yeah. Like yeah. with the blue liquid or something and I asked the babysitter and she like flipped out and wouldn't tell me I was like what is this secret thing <laughs> well, they won't yes. tell us about and that's such a weird societal thing because I, re- I remember feeling awful about that too like really wanting to know what's up and then none of the girls would tell us it was I remember so weird me and my guy secret. friends like what do you guys what did you why learn about it's like why can't I know and it was also condescending that like, we aren't we, you, we aren't mature enough to handle this information it was like, we would freak out yeah, if they were probably right come on I'm a mature guy alright we can talk about that we made oh, boys girls aren't known to make light of things like that. Yeah. Oh, like girls are super much like girls aren't that much more. No, mature. dude, we can talk about our mom's strangers. It's like a mature <laughs> thing, dude. <laughs> strangers, my favorite creepiest euphemism. It is the worst. It is the worst. Oh man, I'm Did you get some I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. What you guys get some strange. What is that? You what? What is what is mom strangers? No, he's just saying strange as a like strange. a euphemism for a woman's genitalia. Like, did you get some strange? You never heard oh, someone wow. say that. You check it's out that girl's weirdest, strange. I had not heard that thing. before. But you never heard context, strange. I, yeah, no, I thought strange was a euphemism for like all uh, sex for like one nighter because like, she, she was a stranger. Yeah. I think all kind of goes. Oh, got to some get, strange. Got some I always strange. I always considered strange a physical. Me, like a me physical too. thing. Didn't you thing say you that the pitch. South Park guys used it as a, as the term for it on an episode? It, well, every Canadian refers to a vagina as a strange, like no matter what. <laughs> in the show South Park, not in yeah. yeah, and also everyone queefs. So like, so it's, <laughs> it's uh, she just juvenile. She just queefed from a strange, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's um, and I laugh and laugh. So you're right, Matt. We weren't mature enough, probably, yeah. to hear that. <laughs> Take it all back. Take yeah. it back. Right. Um, I'm sorry, everybody. You were right. Um, but so hey, yeah, all this protein <laughs> stuff. Uh, t- we we still didn't really get into the meat of what you were studying with with the fish with the fish that were fresh and salt water. Like, did you get into reproductive kind of? Was it all aspects? Yeah, of it was modeling their, like, population dynamics. For yeah, the most part. Yes, uh, trying because uh, getting back to the battle for water. One of the one of the things that they must do is keep enough water in the rivers to keep the fish alive. Uh-huh. Yeah, you can't let all the salmon go extinct. And um, so we were trying to model it. To, to see whether or not how the populations were doing and what might matter to them in, in terms of water flow and uh, which ones might be at most risk of going extinct yeah. right now. yeah. Do you know what the reason why an animal would evolve to be in both? Is, is it, are they sort of like an intermediary? Is it like, are they, would they eventually become all fresh or all salt or something? Well, um, they b- believe it gives them an advantage. Like eggs are very vulnerable. So if you leave them out in the open ocean, mm. there's a lot more predation. That was the hypothesis. Back the then. red scare. If you will, <laughs> huh? guys, <laughs> turtles do the same thing, right? They come up onto a beach and oh, hide yeah. their eggs. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah so yeah, it yeah. seems to be some sort of advantage to getting them out of the ocean that we've canceled out with our craziness with dams and. Uh... Oh, we, did we didn't even talk about the salmon cannon? Have you heard about the salmon cannon? We've talked about it on a previous oh, we episode. About it show. With Tim, I'm sorry. We didn't, no, I'm what's saying, the salmon cannon? We talked about this in a past episode. People have been trying to solve the problem of getting salmon through like locks and dams and stuff. And oh uh, somebody has an actual like sort of, it's almost like the pneumatic tubes with a drive up uh, bank. Yes. Teller, like, it's it's just, like a combination between that and a, and a water slide. <laughs> yeah. 
that uh, well, you, that people just and it's yeah people feed the salmon in one end yeah. and it sort of scoots across through this lubricated tube and uh, go flying out uh, the other that end. That doesn't surprise me at all because they've tried everything else. I mean, they tried steps, they tried um, trucking them around the dams, yeah. they've tried elevators for for salmon. So it, it does not surprise me yeah, that someone's tried a salmon cannon. It does cannon. still require someone to physically pick the salmon up one by one and load them into the tube. <laughs> load yeah. the cannon, yeah. But and that that doesn't surprise me at all. In, in the Northwest, they're actually pulling down some dams uh, to let the salmon breed naturally again. But of course, yeah. it's not there's not a much. In, it's in Washington, they got plenty of water to go around. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and we'll see. I, I think the salmon will come back fine as long as there's no dam in the way. Cool. Congrats to the salmon who won't be dying. Um, we um, what was I gonna? We don't have it without Jesse. I'm lost for segues. I don't even know how to. Uh... Jesse's Let's talk about it. segues. I love segues. <laughs> uh, the guy died who owned the the segway. Uh... He did. He segwayed yeah. off a cliff. That's right. That which was. He wasn't the inventor of the segway, right? He was no, the he guy was who the bought main, the company. Yeah, he was the main investor who brought them yeah. to a wider acclaim. Yes, ah, okay. he was, and uh, he, unfortunately, it was a software error that sent him off the cliff. Is that what happened? Yeah. Is there anything you don't know? How yeah, do you- there is. There's a lot, but you know what I want to talk about <laughs> is the idiot who's running Fiat. What's fi- What's wrong with Fiat? Oh. The idiot who's running Fiat because uh, Fiat, the car company, the car company. Okay. He was. Uh, he came out. This is after he's seen the Tesla Model S and mm-hmm. said that they cannot make money with electric cars. Someone saying that you cannot make money with electric cars after you've seen the Tesla Model S is like saying you can't make money with computers after you've seen the Apple II. Right. Is that the reason the Tesla t- stock tanked? Because I, I own a bunch of it. And, uh, oh, really? It was just a few months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Did your Tesla stock stank? My te- Tesla stock. Wow, that's a great. That's a Do you own stocks, Andy? Te- Tesla stock tanked. Yeah. It's up, like, it's up like 600% over a year. I, I only bought it like. Four or five months ago, it's still above okay. where it was, but it w- it was doing really well for a while. I bought yeah. some, I bought some Tesla, I bought some Apple, and I bought uh, Arista Networks on a friend's advice. I d- Jesse's given me this look. Of what? Like, what look? I didn't mean to have a look. <laughs> I don't. I don't usually do I single mean, stocks, but I was like, whatever. Well, no, Arista I just don't Networks. know if any of it works. Um, uh, friend of the show, Lindsay Burdett, is friends with the guy who started it i don't actually know much about it she's like yeah he seems like a smart guy i went to college with him he started a company it wasn't the okay. best but i mean they're all doing okay so hot stock sure. tips from andy yeah sure and general kids uh stay in school and don't don't do <laughs> don't day trade don't do singles buy you know an aggressive uh uh mutual fund uh, right what's what's your advice for finance mm. you can't really make money you can't you game Schwab it unless you're going to be Schwab. It's like it's like being a blackjack player. Like you can only really win if you're counting cards consistently. Put the odds in your favor. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. Like so, you're not going to really. Like, don't you think it's not a good thing to like buy individual? It's it's the same as going to Vegas, just buying individual stocks. It's it is very difficult to, to be a good stock picker. Yeah, people do better off buying uh, exchange traded funds. Yeah, or like a What's VTI an exchange trade fund. Exchange traded fund is essentially a blend of stocks that they've made into a single stock, like securitized. So VTI, which is a total market index from Vanguard, is is a blend that's supposed to mimic the entire stock market as a whole. It's like a holiday blend, like a nice... Yeah, something like lovely. that. It would be like... Yeah, oaky, pumpkin spice. <laughs> nice oaky blend. Yeah. yeah. Is someone... I remember reading once there was a study where if you just invested in the something like 20 most recognized by the general public brand names... Yeah. Like they just did a survey and like, which brand names do you recognize? And you just invested in those. Your stock will do better than the market on average. And if you just consistently do that. 
I, I, if you were disciplined enough to do that, that might be true. I mean, right. most people aren't going to follow the survey from year to year and redo their yeah. allocations yeah. and things like that. And but these the, funds the, constantly buy and these funds constantly buy and sell things depending on where they drop in and out of the market. Yeah, you don't Someone have any kind of uh, like I. Here's the only advice my dad gave me when I graduated college: don't smoke, use a condom, and max out your four hundred one k. And I stuck to all of them. And I only worked at, in engineering for like five years, and yeah. I haven't been in that for nine years. But um, the four hundred one k money I have, it's almost doubled, even through all the crises in the last ten years. You're up to two hundred bucks now. Yeah, and you're wearing a condom like, at right all now. times. And now that the law is even better, kids, if people uh, max out your four hundred one k, honestly, it is yeah. it is the best. Possible. I don't even know what a four hundred one k is. It's, it's something a pre-tax that I pre-tax to. money you can put into a retirement account. You can't touch it until you're sixty, sixty-five. Um, but yeah, I just put it in the most aggressive fund I could find, maxed it out, which at the time when I was doing it, you could only do like 10 or 15%. Now you can do even more, but it's like money you don't see because it's taken out of the paycheck before you even get it. So you don't even care. You don't miss it. And then, you know, in 10 years, like, oh my God, I have this actual retirement money waiting for me, you know? And the younger you do it, the better because of compounding interest. So wouldn't you say maxing out your 401k is always a good idea? I think that sounds like a great idea if you have enough uh, money to do Yeah. That, to do no, that. but I'm saying like I wasn't making that much, but I was in yeah. my early 20s. I didn't I didn't have much overhead. Like I yeah. was, you know, renting a That is a great idea. Portland. Yeah. I mean, you're well, making money you're, tax you're, deferred. You're a retirement fund in your early 20s. My my dad gave me the exact opposite advice. I smoke. I never wear condoms. <laughs> I I don't have a 401k. Um <laughs> <laughs> but if you do them all together, it's fine. Because if you're not wearing condoms, you don't want to have any money. Well, it lowers that sperm yeah. count from the cigarettes. <laughs> you're, you're fine. Saving money on condoms. <laughs> Saving money on condoms. I take that money that I save. <laughs> I put that into a fund. I take that $1 a year, and I put it into a fund. Um, oh, God. Now I wear. Yes. That is funny. I, I did not know we were going to be discussing investment. I didn't think here. we would either, but yeah. it went down that road. Yeah, and you having that job I didn't. Did that like sully your your opinion of finance in general, though? Like, uh, believe did, me, I think that I think most. Uh, this is probably get me in trouble. <laughs> you can quote this later. I think most of the people who run funds. And this is true. This has been shown many times. Do no better than a chimpanzee. And in fact, a chimpanzee will outperform them in stock picking because a chimpanzee doesn't charge you 2% per year. <laughs> they Wait. just do about as well as randomly picking. There, now, there's people like Warren Buffett who ha- have shown, um, because they have a deep knowledge of business in general, that they can outperform the market. And and you know what? He, he is a great investor. Mm-hmm. but. Wall Street does everything they can to shoot down his advice because his advice is to stay away from all these people running these funds, you know? And But um, but even these funds, if they are the same as a monkey, if they just track the market accurately, then they're they're less susceptible to fluctuation and they're they're good long-term things to do because the market in general will probably... Yeah, if you want to get track the market, time. get get spiders or VTI, which vipers, which are, are one tracks the S and P five hundred and the other one tracks the total stock market. Those those and very low cost, very low. Mm-hmm. Those are the best ways uh, to track the market. But I mean, these funds that charge all kinds of fees, you know, you're losing your money year after year. Yeah, um, and there's a whole industry the based around it. There's a whole industry based around it. And you know what? This brings up another book which I read recently, which is called The Random Walk. Have you seen this? I've or heard of The Random Walk. A Random Walk. I know about the statistical or about the term in, in probability. And yeah. Stuff, but yeah. Random and Walk? You guys seen this? You seen this? <laughs> 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 Have you seen this? Have you read this thing? But uh, that was interesting where they were comparing stock pickers to who outperformed the market versus underperformed the market versus a random flip. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the distribution is almost identical. <laughs> so, Ooh. Yeah. Why don't we put up links to the random walk and the other book that you recommended was Flash Boys. 
Flash Boys. Yeah, Flash Boys. yeah, that is actually a good read. That's a fun one. What else have I read recently that I liked a lot? I like the Johnny Carson. Uh, did you read that book by um, the bombastic Bushkin? No, biography? no. Yeah, I thought of, you like Carson. Did you? Yeah, like, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Carson Daly, right? <laughs> <laughs> and also written by the only biographer who is also a human cannibal. <laughs> is he really? I don't know. What is the bombastic Bushkin? I don't know. But I was saying all three of these we'll have over at probablyscience.com and um, we'll link to them on Amazon. And if you're doing any shopping on Amazon, in addition to these books, if you go to our affiliate link on our site first, uh, it costs you no extra and you, yeah. it gives us Holiday a nice, season coming up. It's the cheapest way for you to contribute to the show. Yes. And uh, if you do all your Christmas shopping that way, you will have uh, done us a big favor and it costs you no extra. So. You can also, if you want to contribute to the show in a more direct way, you can donate. You can, The link okay, to we won't PayPal donation is on the Probably Science webpage as well. But surely and, no one's donated yet. Oh, quite a few people. Quite what a few people about? this week alone. <laughs> Paolo Fais Navarro has... It sounds like you can't make them recurring, though. That is so. a, that's the recurring donation. No way. No. <laughs> that is the recurring <laughs> donation. donation. Wow. And uh, Danae Winston uh, gave Dina. us... Dina? Dina? What, what did I say? Dina. That's right. We've said it before. Dina Winston. Um, longtime listener and contributor Donated the of number of years that she has been alive. Just turning... Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to say the number because I think it's uncouth, but it was very good, generous. Yeah. Thank you so much. Very generous. So she's old. She's, she was very generous. <laughs> we won't say the number, but Jesus Christ. The oldest so woman in America. Just, just go to the Guinness Book of Records and look it up, and that was our donor. Well, no, she wants to... And she said in the email she wants to fund my uh, Neanderthal DNA test, which I, <laughs> yes. uh, I want to get. It was you for my use it. of the word bewigged and for Jesse's Neanderthal test. So thank you. We yeah. should all do it. And then whoever has the highest wins We already something. know who will have the highest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have... It's only how it's, much higher. Uh, yeah. And uh, Andrew Dave, Davies, although if it's like the Kinks, I found out it's actually pronounced Davis, right? If it's D-A-V-I-E-S, that's sometimes Davis in British towns. Br- yeah, Brit Davis, Davis, Davis. Okay, Andrew Davies sent us a very generous donation. Thank, thank you, Andrew. Thank you, thank you Andrew, Andrew Davies. That's wow. very kind of you. And uh, Ben Amodio, who we mentioned earlier, um, gave us the talking to about the big banana. And sent in a story as well that we might get a chance to get mm-hmm. to, but also donated. So thank you very much. Oh, and I, I do want to get to Andrew's uh, story as well, because it relates to ecology. But Absolutely. Is that the lizard story? No, it's the helium one. In fact, why don't we do that? I bet oh. th- so Andrew sent in this story about helium, which I didn't realize is a, a, a resource that's becoming very scarce. Yeah, and We kind of started to talk about it on the last episode and then got derailed. Yeah. It's... How we were talking about it for what reason last episode? Well, we were talking about how how the atmosphere works, and Matt That's was saying right. they always have to make more because the helium just fucks off into space. Good memory. We were yeah. talking about how what orbits were, and there was there were a couple of emails that came in more about that as well. You guys were explaining mm. to me just things everyone knows. But That's essentially, all of the helium that we have on Earth is produced from alpha radiation. Yes. So alpha radiation is a big, unstable atom decays into a slightly smaller, more stable atom, and it fires off the nucleus of a helium atom. It fires off two protons, two uh, neutrons in the process. Over the course of time, it gathers up a couple of electrons as it slows down, Mm -hmm. and then scientists capture that and they put it into balloons. They put it. In, they put <laughs> that's, it. In, well, that's, it all come from like one place in Texas where there's a uranium deposit. I yeah, believe, well, there, right? there are Something there like are that. some uh, stores of it that were discovered back in the. Well, I just I'll just get to this whole article because yeah. but this, all the helium that gets produced on Earth. Is if, a, once it's in the atmosphere, of, it, it fires off into space. Like once, once it's free, it's moving so quickly because it's such a small atom mm-hmm. that it's faster than the escape velocity of the Earth. So it just disappears. So it doesn't sit in the atmosphere. It doesn't stay there like nitrogen or oxygen does. Yeah. 
Um, and Oleg Kirichek, the lead of a research team at the ISIS neutron beam facility. Olex this week. Yeah, <laughs> at the UK's Rutherford Appleton Laboratory, had an unpleasant shock last week. One of his key experiments designed to probe the structure of matter had to be canceled because the facility had run out of helium. Uh, the gas used to cool atoms to around 270 degrees below zero Celsius, which is only, what, three degrees Kevin? Kelvin? Isn't negative yeah. 273, absolute zero? Yep, it's um, pretty to, cold. To reduce their vibrations and make them easier to study is Wait, now thought, becoming... I thought negative... I thought it was negative 273 Kelvin. No, zero Kelvin is negative zero 273 Kelvin Celsius. Is abs- zero Kelvin is absolute zero? Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's the, that's the reason why it's done that. So it's... Okay. So this uh, so helium has a lot of uses. Um, Fucking idiot! <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's they, they, it costs all Kelvin. Go bang your head on the wall over there. <laughs> all Kelvin is a scale. Like one one Kelvin is di- one Celsius. Is one Celsius. Yeah. So the difference between the same number of yes. Kelvin is the same number the of Celsius. But it was all it did is shifted the axis back so that it starts at zero. Right. Well, I mean, all temperatures are. We've discussed this. All temperatures are based on some bullshit. Well, no, this one's based... Point Celsius is based on zero is freezing, 100 is... Was water. Is, of water, is, yes. yes. But, yes. Th- but that's what I mean. It's like we could just pick... You could just pick anything. Celsius yeah. makes sense because water is essential yeah. to all life. I believe but, yeah. Fahrenheit... Fahrenheit's pitch. It was about, well, no, Fahrenheit it was about, 100 was meant to be the body temperature, but they slightly got it wrong. Oh, really? Because body temperature is 98.6. Yeah. I thought it was just kind of like... Six, yeah. It's just a finding a range that's like a reasonable... Where like zero to 100 is kind of the we've, usual we, range. We totally of, covered this... Okay, it's, sorry. it's the melting point of pitch. That's what? the hundred is the melting point of pitch. No, no, no. The, in it, like zero and a hundred. Okay. For, sorry. For uh, Fahrenheit. We do repeat ourselves, and listeners have pointed that out, and we know, <laughs> and we don't have time to have someone on staff who's like yeah. making sure we haven't told the it's same dumb jokes. Just us guys, no yeah. secretary. Like pitch tree sap type of thing. Something like that. Yeah. I, I don't uh, remember that, but it's probably yeah, someone, some, some, someone. Yeah, someone tweeted like recently. Bobby that we, Farron, that the guy that came up with Fahrenheit, or <laughs> Bobby McFerrin? <laughs> Bobby McFerrin. <laughs> don't worry, be happy. <laughs> okay, so okay. so yeah, zero so, on Fahrenheit is the lowest temperature to which he could uh, reproducibly cool brine. 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 All right, okay. a one-syllable bull- bullshit thing. That's what I meant. And what's the definition of brine? Like, what percentage? How much salt does water have to have I to be think brine? It's as salty as you can get it, basically. It's more than brackish. Yeah, you, you probably know this stuff. <laughs> Brian, I guess, is very high salt water, right? Because the more salt you put in it, the harder it's going to be to freeze. But So he got it all the way down to zero before it froze when he, he had maximum dis- dissolution of salt in there? I believe so. Okay. Oh, and yeah. then was 100 the melting? Or like why? Wait, Hun- it can't be the melting, but it's not going to boil at 100. No, 100, so- I think. I'm pretty sure it was then zero was set as the brine temperature, and then 100 was set as the Body. temperature of... Um, yeah, the temperature supposed of body. to be the body temperature. Approximately. What, what uh, happened to pitch? What happened to pitch? I got it wrong. I was I was thinking of brine. Oh, you know what okay. I'm saying? Like it yeah. was just I just knew it was some. I, I, I don't think sap. What, yeah, yeah sap, I don't think it? of them as the same thing. But I'm saying I was, I yeah. just knew it was some some weird, some weird syllable substance. one yeah. syllable word we sort never of use. Sounding yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> oh, also, while we're talking scales of temperature, <laughs> there's also the Rankine, Rankin or Rankine. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. And that is to Fahrenheit what Kelvin is to Celsius. So it's another absolute zero scale, oh, okay. but the individual measures are one Fahrenheit is one. Of what use is that? Because what science would not be using? I Celsius think it was used. Kelvin? It was proposed in 1859. Oh, before I see. SI units became. That's what the Civil War was about. <laughs> you guys not realize it? It's about this temperature measurement. <laughs> Fahrenheit will rise again. Is there anyone else who's still using British measurements besides the uh, United States? Um, they don't use it in British, do they? Well, Britain's kind of half and half. It's very weird. 
So okay. Britain, yeah, Britain's all over the place. Most of most of the world, including pretty much all of Europe and Australia and various other places, are sensible and have yeah, converted entirely to metric. It's strange that yeah. even like Commonwealth countries didn't stick with it, and Brit- yet we... Yeah, Britain does something really weird, where if you go into the supermarket, produce is normally sold in kilograms, but they'll often still put pounds next to it. Okay. In weather forecast, they normally quote... I think nowadays they generally quote Celsius first, but they'll put Fahrenheit in brackets. Okay. So they'll quote both. Miles are used rather than kilometers for street signs. So huh. speeds and distances are miles and miles per hour. No shit. In Britain. What about feet? Do they use feet or meters when you're measuring stuff? Uh, again, it sort of depends on what the thing is. It's very weird. It's sort of all over the place. People still know their... And people foot- are still more likely to know their height in feet and inches than they are in meters. And Although I think that's changing now, probably. And then they use... And then and we often stone use stone for, for, yeah. for stone for weight. <laughs> Which so is how much? How much is a stone? It's it about 14, 14 pounds? I yeah, hang on. Is it 16 ounces in a pound? Yes. yes. Yeah, then it's 14 pounds in a stone. Yeah, because then I know a foot was obviously from, <laughs> from Henry the Sixth penis size because he had a foot fetish. <laughs> it had to be rubbed to completion with feet. How does it make sense that 16 ounces in a pound so there's 14 pounds? Yeah, why did that help? You knew one was one and one was the other? It's because the Bush album. We've talked about this, too. That's exactly what it is. I knew one was 14, one was 16, and I couldn't get around there. Yeah. I know. I'm sorry, listeners. We repeat ourselves. We we don't have a secretary who's telling us when we've told the same. See, I just said that part, too, that we don't Uh, have a secretary. uh, Jesus. This is Groundhog Day podcast form. Okay. uh, All right. This is is an interesting story. So helium is very important for a lot of scientific reasons, um, but a lot of projects that require it um, are soon going to find themselves... uh, shit out of luck because we are frittering away the world's limited supplies of helium on it's probably, party balloons. It's probably pretty oh. cheap, though, to, to get a... No, Jesse. It costs 30,000 pounds a day to operate uh, the neutron beams at this um, Rutherford Appleton Laboratory, said Oleg Kirichek. But for three days, they had they had no helium to run the experiments on those beams. In other words, they were wasting 90,000 pounds because they couldn't get any helium. Uh, yet we put this stuff in party balloons, let them float off in the upper atmosphere, or we use it to make our voices go squeaky for a laugh. It's very, very <laughs> stupid, and it makes Oleg really angry. Um, wow. So yeah, helium's used for not at least used for science experiments. Medical scanners, yeah, certain medical scanners need helium. Yeah, according to Professor Robert Richardson of Cornell University, who won the Nobel Physics Prize in '96 for his research on helium. Uh, he argues that a helium party balloon should cost 75 pounds to reflect the true value of the gas used. You can buy enough helium to float 200 balloons for that, 200 balloons for that price. Uh, we're squandering an irreplaceable resource, he says. Um, Is there any other gas you can suck on and get that voice? There's got to be. that's a good call. That's, we got to... That's, We've got to find a replacement. We've got to find yeah. a replacement. You can't just you know what take I mean? away the squeaky voice. Because, like, MRIs, is it worth getting rid of MRIs for funny voices? I don't know. You know? I mean, that's a trade I might make. Yeah, so I guess the history of this is that when we first, in the 1920s, the U.S. decided helium would be a strategic resource. It realized that air power would be crucial in future wars and assumed that these would be fought with airships that would use helium to float. Um, so the U.S. created a vast stockpile of billions of, li- billions of liters of helium in the 1920s and kept it until the late 90s when it decided to sell it off. That's um, when we gave up on our steampunk face. Yeah. <laughs> That's according to Jonathan Flint, the CEO of Oxford in- Instruments, whose scanners and other devices use helium for cooling. So for the fa- past decade, uh, that vast stockpile has been sold off, causing prices to plummet. Helium was cheap, and we learned to be wasteful with it. And now the stockpile is used up, prices are rising, and we're realizing how stupid we've been. 
That sounds like oil, right? I mean, yeah, basically peak helium. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> except instead of being used to transport people from place to place, <laughs> I can't to think help of Trevor celebrate his. Thing. I am yeah, one of the I, people who enjoys the party voice, yeah. the sucking the helium. I down. cannot yeah. think of anything that like <laughs> it's, and parades. Yeah. Like, par- oh God, Macy's. yeah, those giant. Yeah. Um. Why? Well, the I guess the alternative is sulfur hexafluoride. Oh, that just does the opposite of helium. Oh, it does the low voice? Yeah. It's so dense. <laughs> so, which the balloons don't look as fun because they sink it's, to the ground. Although that's kind of fun in a way. It's like yeah. walking a dog. Just falls to the ground. Yeah, like walking yeah. a dog. It's uh, Guys, ironically, helium's the second most abundant element in the universe. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah followed, followed, of course, only by hydrogen, of course, being mm-hmm. first. Um, it's just that helium is scarce on Earth. The solar winds, this, this is all coming from Dr. Ian Crawford, uh, the solar winds that uh, that pour away from the sun, and they're rich in helium, but it never reaches the surface of the Earth because of our thick atmosphere. However, our studies of rocks brought back by Apollo astronauts show that it is absorbed by soil in the moon. There are about 22 grams of helium in every cubic, uh, cubic meter of lunar soil. Oh, wow, that's a lot. <laughs> There's also hydrogen in that soil, which astronauts could use for fuel and to make water. So you could envisage the day. Envisage the day? Envisage. Sure. Envisage? Uh, envisage the day when it becomes economic to build mines on the moon to supply us with helium. It just depends how expensive our own sources become. And that day might not be too far off, say some scientists. Supplies remain very uncertain. So researchers are now warning that the use of scanners and other machines may be increasingly disrupted an unpleasant prospect, uh, said David Ward of the Culham Center for Fusion Energy. I'll not be happy if I cannot have a medical scan in my 70s because we wasted helium and party balloons when I was in my 30s. <laughs> Really he, who's bringing who's, what 30 year olds are bringing party weird, balloons weird party <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I only turned 37 once you guys why can't you <laughs> and I need that number to float above this party yeah. <laughs> so guys uh, if you've learned nothing else from this episode it's stop buying helium balloons mm. well yeah. why don't they up the price of helium I mean I, I just got some helium balloons a couple of weeks ago for what purpose it was uh, my wife's birthday, so I, I okay. wanted... I actually got Mylar balloons, which keep the helium much longer. That's less wasteful. You could donate them to your local laboratory afterwards. I probably could, but I sucked the helium out and I did the squeaky <laughs> voice. Did she laugh? <laughs> yes. It was worth it. Okay. That's well, what it is. But it was dirt cheap. I think I paid $2 or something yeah. to fill it with. So why don't How they else up is the she going to know what it's like for a munchkin <laughs> to wish a happy birthday? <laughs> that special day. This makes me think Patch Adams, maybe not the best guy after all. Yeah. Like That should have been going in the MRI, and instead he's like... <laughs> Making the patients laugh as they're dying. Do we have time for the lizard? <laughs> Hold on, real quick, some comments. Okay, some comments on from this the article. Comment section. I confess, I bought balloons. I let my kids do the squeaky voices. I'm really sorry. I'm honestly so fucking sorry. <laughs> <laughs> What's the username for that one? Uh, A1 philosopher. Oh okay. wow. Um. Okay. Okay. Um. Just wait till a billion and a half fun living Chinese get started. What can be done for rhinos and tigers can happily be extended to helium. Who invented funny voices and balloon flight anyway? Um, Was that racist? I'll let it I think so. Um, I mean, that's not. That's from Captain. Someone, that's from Captain Darling. Someone okay. in the comments has just written "Bye bye Moon." <laughs> uh, someone else blames Thatcher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Smicken says, what a knob. He failed to manage his logistics and so must shift the blame to balloons. I would suggest invent, um, investing in helium futures. I just love it when anyone calls anyone a knob. <laughs> yeah. Great term. Oh, man. Are there helium futures? I didn't even know they had those. Uh, I well, no there won't idea. be many soon. Yeah. yeah. 
There's, it's um, a dystopian Blade Runner helium future. I don't know. Whoever listened, the second this podcast went out, someone went around and bought all the helium out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Whoever was closest to yeah. the exchange. Yeah. Well, do we have time for one more or should we wrap it up? I don't know, very quick. I quite fancy if there's for, time for just squeezing that little lizard that story. Lizard one, it's because it, it actually does relate to what Tim studied. It yeah. is evolution and ecology. Morgan Perrine, a frequent uh, sender in of stories, sent us this story about how Florida lizards um, are evolving rapidly. Um, within 15 years and 20 generations. Yes, yeah, scientists working on islands in Florida have documented the rapid evolution of a native lizard species in as little as 15 years as a result of pressure from an invading lizard species mm-hmm. in- introduced from Cuba. After contact with the invasive species, the native lizards began perching higher in trees, and generation after generation, their feet evolved to become better at gripping the thinner, smoother branches found higher up. The change occurred at an astonishing pace. Within a few months, native lizards had begun shifting to higher perches, and over the course of 15 years and 20 generations, their toe pads had become larger with more sticky scales on their feet. Uh, we did predict that we'd see a change, but the degree and quickness with which they evolved was surprising, said Yoel Stewart, a postdoc researcher at the Department of Integrative Biology at the University of Texas at Austin. That's a hell of a business card. Yep, mm. and lead author of the study, appearing in the t- October 24th edition of the journal Science. To put the shift in perspective, if the human height were evolving as fast as those lizards' toes, the height of an average American man would increase from about 5 foot 9 inches today to about 6 foot 4 inches within 20 generations, an increase that would make the average U.S. male the height of an NBA shooting guard. Oh, wow. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Right? Yeah. Well, then they'd have to move the net higher. (laughs) Yeah, then what would the NBA be? (laughs) It's true. It's always got to be the outliers. I always thought, you know, like like the way they do weight limits for wrestling and boxing. Yeah, height limits. Height limits. You know, you have different basketball leagues. Yeah, you know, we we both think that way because we're both short, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm I'm, I'm not that short, but I'm not. I could never be in a pro basketball league, you know? Yeah. That's a very good point. Why don't they just say every man for himself with boxing and wrestling, if you're not big enough and strong enough, you're not the one who's doing it. Well, now yeah. I was thinking the other way. Andy, but I'm thinking of, the other way. But, but why? But why put the... And if you're going to do that, what do you, then you'd have it for every sport, for every like delineation of body type. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think they should have... You know, I should... I should be in an NBA category of people who are both short and not good at basketball. <laughs> Where's my professional <laughs> basketball they're, they're I'm also, very bad at it. So I have none of the skills. There are also several sports where I don't understand the gender barriers, like um, curling. Oh, like, yeah. Like arch- yeah. archery. Uh, anything that's not actual strength related and just like... Well, anything where the, the object is the athlete. Does that make sense? Like the... the... Yeah, that, that does... Like darts, 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 darts are still curling. split. Those are all still gender split. Yeah, it just feels to reason. me like they're split f- for historical reasons, and over yeah. time, as the as society stops being so fucked up, that'll disappear. Like mm-hmm. those ones, like it's going to be in certain sports where it where s- strength right, or an advantage. Right. It's always going to be when it's just physiology. Yeah, but ones like that that are just sort of accuracy. I think that will disappear. Just fine so there's control. no advantage to strength in darts. I, I mean, I've ne- I don't play darts, so I can't imagine how, how far there needs to be a gender barrier on I that. Can't, I wouldn't have thought. I would have thought the only reason why men outperform women is that they take up and are encouraged in the game at far greater rates and far greater numbers. Darts? Do you even know, do you even know that men do better at darts than women? I don't even know if that's true. I don't know if that's true either. Yeah, just assuming I, that. Well, yeah I'm, I assume because I can't think of a female darts champion. Can you think of a male darts <laughs> champion? Yeah. <laughs> Who? Who? But they aren't allowed in the same league. Phil so Taylor? Do you, do you, <laughs> Phil Taylor? <laughs> Phil the power Taylor? <laughs> no way. Fucking not... <laughs> 
Oh. Uh, Lars was a huge sport in the UK. Like, it's Are you being joking? No, I'm not really? even serious. Phil the Power Taylor's a real guy? No. Uh, Matt, come on, man. <laughs> Phil the Power Taylor is an English <laughs> professional power. darts player. What does that even he have to do with darts, the power? Because <laughs> they all have nicknames. Like, you know, it's like, just make it more interesting. The arm, the wrist. Like, how many things can you <laughs> right. call someone who's throwing a dart? Like, <laughs> right. he is Nick, he's widely regarded as the best darts player of all time. Okay. He has won 207 professional tournaments, which include an unprecedented eight. 81 major titles and a record 16 world championships. 16 world championships. Wow. Oh, okay. He's won I, over he 6 million pounds in prize money. I, I wouldn't have thought there's that much money. No, in <laughs> and his wow. walk on music is The Power by Snap. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, competitive eating. Do you think there needs to be a gender uh, separation for competitive eating? I wonder if there even is. Interesting, I don't interesting thought. Because mm. if you could prove that men's stomachs are like usually bigger than women's, maybe there should be a difference. But if okay. there isn't, then why? It's got to be only about that. Yeah, right? but that Kobayashi wins yeah, every wins. time. That guy's microscopic. But we don't yeah, know that was a big change some... in the competitive eating world where they suddenly realized that it used to just be big, fat, trucker-looking guys. Yeah. And then suddenly he's like, no, actually that fat presses on the stomach and stops yeah. the rapid expansion. I thought the big change would be when we realize uh, a billion people are starving. <laughs> um, but apparently, <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently we need to keep doing this. Uh, apparently we just don't give a shit and we just have all this excess. Oh, by the way, that eating. was the second most ever written thing that we talked about on the show. Was the apparently that guy, the apparently that guy and the fact that he appeared on Ellen and did a commercial. We never brought it up again yeah. on the episode, but thank you everyone who pointed that out. We did you see the apparently the kid? The no, what happened? Oh, we'll show it after. It's a great. We'll show you uh, after. video. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. I think competitive eating is to starvation what uh, helium blue, what party balloons are to the <laughs> scientific uses of yeah. Wow. So wait, I'm sorry. We were still talking about lizards, weren't we? And how fast they evolve? Oh yeah. Yes. Yes, they're evolving generations very quickly. To be they, well, they must have a really really high mortality rate then, right? For well, the survivor, the, for the surviving. You know, oh, that's a good point because it's not just about the random mutations that would happen, but also being selected. Well, that random mutation had to take over. Yeah, basically which means the whole population didn't, had, ha, didn't have it would have to die. Is it because of these other lizards coming in? Is there, uh, uh, I, I guess so. Are they eating the eggs. Do well, they have, actually, why don't we just do they have probably, shitloads of babies? Well, it says, into, I don't know. It doesn't actually say how many there are, but it says. The, uh, the native lizard studies known as Carolina, um, is it anoles? Anoles. Or green anoles are common in the southern eastern U.S. The invasive species, Cuban anoles or brown anoles, are native to Cuba and the Bahamas. These uh, brown anoles first appeared in South Florida in the 1950s, possibly as stowaways in agricultural shipments from Cuba, and have since spread across the southeastern U.S. and even jumped to Hawaii. You know what, that's interesting for another reason, because usually it goes the other way. Usually you go from a mainland species to an island, so yeah. and, and uh, right. they wipe out whatever's on the island. But this one has gone that's the opposite point. direction. There yeah. should be a big enough population on the mainland that it wouldn't be endangered by it, right? That's good. Although, it's, yeah, Cuba's I, quite is a big population, the, isn't it? Or is it? Cuba's a pretty big, big island, but I've never heard of an island species uh, becoming predominant. You know, that's even Australia, which is a continent. Most for most that's a good point. The invasion has gone the other way because right? it's a very protected, mm-hmm. isolated environment. Yeah, yeah. Australia is extremely protective of anything that gets brought into the country. Yeah, we have problems with rats basically on islands all over the world. Some, right? Yeah, they wipe out bird species because the one common thing on islands is that birds become flightless, and. Uh, so they lay their eggs on the ground, and then rats come along and eat all their eggs. They, they become flightless because they're so far from the main... Or what, what's they the advantage the... or disadvantage to being flightful? I guess there is no longer a necessity to be flightful because the predators aren't there. Also, flying is fucking sweet. Yeah, dude. and flying is, takes a lot of energy. 
but it's so sweet. It, it is. is. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it is sweet. Yeah. You're right. It is. But I guess amazing. also takes not just energy for the actual flight, but energy to produce the wings and everything takes everything. that away yes. from the yeah yeah because animals development. animals yeah. don't bang each other just for being sweet. Like humans do. <laughs> yeah. humans, some of those birds have like they, they check out my pad and they put pretty things in their nests to show off. Have you seen those birds? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, there are those displays, but I mean, I, I, I think we've something else we talked about is just how like we we have to be devolving based on our own shallowness at this point. How you know, basically severely disabled people as we would consider it aren't getting laid it, and totally should be. Wait, they should be getting laid, but they shouldn't be evolution. Wait, what's the argument? That's what that's what evolution is. <laughs> what I'm saying. Is this what, self-interest oh, here? No, not at all. I'm saying like, I was reading the article, so I missed whatever hole we've just wanted into. I'm saying if there's a, some, if, he's advocating sleeping with the disabled. I think no, the the, the, the deformed, no, the deformed, the deformed. If there's some guy born with two brains, he's got a big nutsack looking head. No girl's gonna bang that guy with his weird nut pube head. No girl's taking him but home. But he's the mutation that you're saying He's the future. Be, he's the future. He's, I don't know if this is how evolution works. Exactly. <laughs> it's totally so. how it works. I'm saying... Should we turn it, to our scientists on this one? <laughs> no, no. I'm saying if we if we still actually had threats, he would be a survivor. But we don't. So we get now we get to make up weird rules. And but we still we, I mean, there are constantly threats, weird competing rules on what drives evolution. That... that What's what do you think the biggest mix, misconception about how evolution works is? Because nobody seems to. Uh, the problem culture. is people focus on survival of the fittest, which isn't really uh, what evolution is. It's about differential reproduction. So um, you don't have to be fit to reproduce, right? I mean, that is kind of the, by definition okay, how well, we not, think of. Let's not start making fun of my mom. But. <laughs> how we think of fitness, you don't have to be the biggest, strongest individual. Uh-huh. You, if you if you reproduce more, your genes become more represented in the population. Mm-hmm. And um, so people tend to focus too much on on like the success of the life. So you could be an Olympic athlete who got his Ph.D. in physics and, you know, worked on got the Nobel Prize. But if you didn't have kids, as far as evolution is concerned, you might as well not existed. Yeah. Yeah. So I think people focus too much on on um, survival and sort of this. And also, I think it's the the idea of survival of the individual rather than survival of the group. Well, that's that's controversial, but um, most it? people focus on survival of the individual over survival of the species. Yeah, um, uh, it's not even really controversial. Most, uh, it's like the okay. idea of group selection is is pretty much uh, been discredited. I would I would say, um, but uh, and focus on individual um, outcomes. Yeah, really nice. Um, because it's hard to think about it. It's one of the things that you think of is like, should I do something for the good of the species? Well, then why, why don't I do it for the good of uh, the genus? Why don't I do it for the good of you know my family? Or uh-huh. the, the, in, why don't I do it for the good of the kingdom? You know. But one um, one thing where I sort of group um, survival has been brought up was remember the question of why does homosexuality exist in a society from an evolutionary standpoint? And one of the explanations I heard for that was well because a per, like someone within the group who doesn't necessarily reproduce but enables everyone else with similar genes to reproduce is of high value from a genetic point of view because the women related to gay men by some studies have more children or, right? or, or because yeah things? because they can help in certain cases with the child rear like in a in a historical genetic oh, contribute like, in another way yeah so in, to make the clan indir- to the tribe oh, make an indirect con- okay, contribution sorry. to people with the same genes as they do yeah. essentially yeah which is so how that, it hasn't that code how, still gets carried on 
Yeah, I think it was just an accidental side effect of way. the fact that the women related to them have this hyper sex drive and re- like there was one article we talked about that was like that. Will, oh, really? Will, women who are related to gay men have a higher sex have, drive? Or, um, have more children. Oh, okay. So maybe it's yeah. just like they are an accidental byproduct of the fact that there is this uh, well, advantageous trait of of. Will uh, twins be gay? Identical twins? Fifty-fifty. That's uh, really? separated at birth. Yeah, that was it. Was pretty close to fifty-fifty. That was a good one of the twin studies where you separated um, twins. They found it was more than you would expect it to be a hundred percent. It was completely determined by genetics. Right, and you would expect it would be about two percent if it was determined strictly by the environment, because at random, two percent of the population is going to be gay. Right, and they found it closer to fifty-fifty, huh. so which meant, uh, which was kind of an unsatisfying answer. Doesn't really, it wasn't yeah. one gene. Kind one, of unsatisfying, but satisfying at the same time. Yeah, yeah. quite an interesting answer. Yeah. Wow, fifty percent. So, I'd never. I, I want to look that up. That's look it up right now. Yeah, yeah. I think I, it's been a long time since I've seen that study. But uh, you know, the twins, twins separated at birth studies are, are really kind of. Interesting in that you have identical genetics and different upbringings, different environments. It's the perfect controlled experiment. Yeah, Yeah. and when they end up having the the, the really same strangely esoteric interests, you know, like they like the same album or you know, you hear about stuff like that. It's like, wow, that's they can feel each other's pain. That's a true thing, right? (laughs) Just to wrap up this story because I think this might slightly answer the question you had about islands. It uh, it does say the researchers speculate that the competition between brown and green anoles for the f- same food and space may be driving the adaptation of the green ones. Stewart also noticed that the adults of both species are known to eat the hatchlings of the other species. Hmm. So it may be that if you're a hatchling, you need to move up into the trees quickly or you'll get eaten. Maybe you have bigger toe pads, you'll be able to do that better than if you don't. So it looks like there is a certain amount of cross attacking from both. Yeah. It's not an exclusive brown driving out the greens. Huh. <laughs> this is actually the bre- the species that we used to call chameleons because we were idiots when we would go vacation in Florida as kids. This is like the the basic lizard you'd always catch. Right. The ones where if the tail comes off, uh, it'll regrow. So if you catch it by a tail, it'll just like almost shed its tail instantly to get away from you. Oh yeah, remember that? It's yeah, kid, yeah. Where'd you catch? Were those out here also? Yeah, the, the lizards. We used to, the liz- yeah, yeah. Used to lizards. Yeah, yeah. I thought they were just out in Florida. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they did. Ch- they do change color, I think, but they're definitely not technically chameleons. Obviously. Tim, yes. <laughs> yeah. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Um, I'm gonna be. I don't know when. When is this gonna air? Tonight. Tonight, tonight it's yeah. airing tonight. Okay, I'll be in Denver this weekend doing shows, and then nice. Um, Whereabouts? I'll be at uh, Holiday Event Center in Denver, which is a beautiful old historic theater that's. Um, been just brought back, I believe, this year. So that that should be fun. Um, and then I go to San Jose, California. I go to um, Seattle and Portland all within the next few weeks. And um, you can go to my website, scientistturncomedian.com. Scientistturncomedian, Tim uh, And on Twitter? Twitter, I am... <laughs> Oh wait, that's right. I forgot you have multi <laughs> Twitter uh just uh, I don't think I, I I I uh I don't have a good name on Twitter on Twitter. I'm trying to get my name, but uh uh if you look up Tim if you go to my scientistturnmedian.com, you can link link to my Twitter account right. at the bottom of the page, yeah. And we'll also put links up and everything. Yeah. We'll do it. Excellent. Um right. well, we're on the subject. I got some a couple of gigs to plug in the Northwest. Excellent. I'm going to be in Seattle and Portland at the end of the month. Oh, wow. On the 28th and 29th, so the weekend of Thanksgiving, I'm going to be in Seattle on the Friday at the Neptune Theater and Portland on the Saturday at the Hollywood. 
As part of uh, Funny Over Everything. I That's the That's show. Excellent. So if you're in either of those cities, and I know we have listeners in those. Oh, by the way, we were looking at our listener stats. We suddenly had a whole load of listeners to the Henry Phillips episode from Germany. Well, it might be. That's all I want to look at. It might if, be a recent trend in general. If you're one of those German. listeners, can you please let us know how you found out about this show? Because <laughs> we somehow have more listeners in Germany than we do in Illinois. It was like, it was like 90% of the number of American listeners. Or no, I'm sorry, of, of the number of California listeners. So something very wow, strange yeah. happened. I don't know whether we suddenly got plugged on a prominent German <laughs> website or news story or whatever, but I'll tell if you're you a guys, German I'll listener... I'll tell you guys after. <laughs> yes, we are starting to get the reach out to the All right, that's, that's them lost. Yes. So, um, And I am not uh, on the road at all soon, but we, we are still talking about uh, getting this podcast on the road soon. So we're hoping that... that yeah, and a lot of Australians time. particularly have mentioned trying to get us out there. Yeah, we will. We're maybe we'll start by trying to priority. get to American places. Maybe but. we'll do that first. Um, also, by the way, we are looking at uh, doing some other things with this podcast, and we were curious if any of you have um, input about what you think our roles are on this show. Is that's that a, a good weird question? Thing to yeah, because we had a meeting recently. Oh, with that's one a of, weird question. Is it really weird? No, we're gonna get. We can only handle that with each other because it's gonna fucking hurt our feelings. Our egos are gonna be. I'm. I'm interested. I don't know. If you email probablyscienceatgmail.com, let us know what you think the three roles that that, that we each fill, and uh, yeah, don't spare our feelings. I. I yeah. Wanna all right. Yeah. Why yeah. not? What's the worst? It's, we'll get some nasty emails. Who cares? Yeah. Who yeah. gives a shit? Okay. Yeah. So which you know, posh, scary, and sporty. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I guess that sort of some deal. quick zingy <laughs> nicknames. Um, Jesse, do you have any shows coming up? Uh, I want to thank everyone in uh, Vancouver and Seattle. Uh, and then, uh, no, I don't have anything this month, really. I've got stuff around LA, always uh, bullshitreference.tumblr.com, and my Twitter at Jesse Case. You can check that out. Uh, December, I'm on the road a lot. And um, listen up next week, and I'll have those dates for you. Excellent. Right. So, yeah, as always, you can send emails and you can tweet us at probablyscience, email probablyscience at gmail.com. The website is probablyscience.com. That is where the donate button is and the Amazon link to buy stuff off of Amazon for holiday gifts or whatever. Uh, please send us questions, comments, clarifications, or just interesting stuff you find. Uh, if you're emailing us in, include your Twitter handle if you want us to mention that when we tweet out the stories as well. We will try and do that. And if you're not already subscribed, please do subscribe, particularly through iTunes and particularly through the iTunes phone app, because for some reason that pushes us higher up the ratings. I'm not entirely sure how it works, but that's what someone told us. Uh, either way, thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Tim, for joining us. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. It was a blast. And we will see you all next week. Bye. Bye.